11 o'clock comics episode Ah, uh, you got that woohoo from Sal anyway, didn't you? Yeah, you <laughs> see, you know, you used to cover your Oh, that's why I can hear you. There you go. Right. Hey. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's 11 o'clock comics. Uh, it sure is. It is. Oh, and, uh, right. And I'm Vince B., and I done screwed up big time last week. We'll get into it later. Really? Yeah, I uh, did. I'm, I'm Christopher Neesman, and you should be reading Ghost Rider. Yes. <laughs> David, I'm, I'm David Price, and I'm going to listen to Chris Neesman and read Ghost Rider, and listen to and listen to Vince and read Spider Man, right? With a hyphen, and with a I'm fucking Jason, hyphen. Oh, don't! And I'm, I'm Jason Wood, and I'm on a high horse today. You are. You're always on a high horse. You're always looking down on us, dude. I am. You want to know how I screwed up? Well, what do you mean? And, and I would love to tell you, but go ahead. I screwed up last week. I'm embarrassed. I'm just, uh, I'm mad at myself <laughs> for doing it. I said, I attributed All Hail Megatron to Simon Furman, when in yeah, fact, yeah. it's not Simon Furman that wrote it. It's Shane McCarthy. Now, that is akin to someone saying, you know, that 11 o'clock thing, that's pretty good. Uh, th- that show with uh, Jason and Chris and David and Peter Rios. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just, I got to attribute the, uh, ah, shit, Chris got me all fucked up now. I can't remember what I was going to say. It's kind of it's, it's like is- someone, it's kind of like someone saying that I picked up Ghost Rider uh, 33 because, uh, because Neesman told me to. Right, right. And, every- uh, and David, like two weeks earlier, had been talking all about it. So. Well, every good boy deserves favor, and Shane McCarthy deserves favor because All Hail Megatron is great, as we've said many times, and it's not Simon Furman that wrote it. Shane McCarthy, sorry Shane, my Our my bad my bad. No, not not your bad. You were you were cool. I was bad. Yeah, I, fuck you, fuck you, Furman. I no, Furman's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he didn't write it. So there we go. Yeah, so I, I'm fine now. The slate's clean. I'm trying not to make any more stupid mistakes because when I get excited, I I don't think. Well, you know, Vince. You know, to be to be completely fair to you, you talk so much. That eventually something wrong has to come out of that mouth. Well, ask David. I do it quite frequently. It's just that I'm very adept at editing. It warms my heart to hear Sal and Tom groan in the AC episode about how they love our show if we just would stop talking about 
the numbers in business, and I I was a little smirk knowing that I for once wasn't the one that brought us down that path. So I know you know you know Sal and I um, to deviate here real quickly. Sal and I talked about this a little bit this this week, and obviously we talk a lot because we work together. And and yeah, just kind of came to the realization that you know we just buy the books that we like. And Tom had said this on on our last episode. You buy the you buy the books that you like, and if if it doesn't do enough to to save those books of those companies there's really not much more than you can do beyond that so just just buy what you like enjoy what you like take the recommendations of people that you respect and don't put it upon yourself to quote unquote save the industry just enjoy comics buy what you like it's it's like you know we're not going to save the movie industry you have to go see um you know uh, my big fat greek wedding or the movie industry is going to collapse it's like no just just buy what you want enjoy comics and have fun with it right but you have to admit from the sidelines it's like watching your child get beat in a wrestling match you know what I mean? It, it's it's it, it it hurts. You you want to just jump right in there and do what you can to save it. Maybe punch the other kids in the nuts when the referee's not looking. You know what I mean? And we, I take it upon myself to try and do everything to get people to go out and buy comics. But you're right. It's annoying if we keep repeating it. Every once in a while is not bad. Sometimes the kid needs to get his ass kicked, and then hey, that's true too. Unless he's going to learn. That's true. Um, I, th- I tell you, we have uh, so much shit to go through tonight. So we we'll do. Knock out- Let's knock out the drink roll call real quick because I know that we've got a lot of fun stuff. Um, we have a special guest. Uh, uh, Jason Wood, go. I am drinking Chang beer. It's, Chang? Uh, yes, wow. It's, it's from Thailand. I tie two. So, oh. Yeah. My, I, guy, I my, my, my friend Guy Susanti Suk probably knows about that. His, uh, his sister, uh, Miss Thailand, I think four years running no. because they couldn't afford – to have the Miss Thailand pageant, so she actually had it four years consecutive. Nice. Was she hot? Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. <laughs> you have. Oh, Legit, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is good. Oh. I I went to the liquor store this weekend and restocked. We had uh, a bunch of people over the house for my boy's six year, uh, six sixth birthday, and I was looking around for some of the imported stuff they had, and I saw this beer with two elephants on it, and thought I never saw that before. And I looked at it, and it was called Chang, and I said, "Now that's a strange name." And then I said, "Oh, it's beer from Thailand. Why not?" So uh, it's good. It's it's five percent alcohol by volume, so it's got a nice kick, and nice. Uh, it's nice and smooth. It's uh, it's a nice smooth. Uh, Vince, you'd like it. It's a nice smooth lager, not unlike Yangling. No, oh. yeah, it's very good. Dude, you thought you I, thought I, it was a fat mama beer, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. We next time next time you all come to Chicago, we gotta go to this place called the Long Room, and it probably has. 50 or 60 different beers, probably 20 of them on tap, and and then and then 40 you know different bottles from different microbrews and what and whatnot. And I had this one called a uh, a red eye coffee um, porter, and it was a nine and a half percent, really thick porter, um, real nice beautiful coffee undertones to it drank like two of them they come in like little goblets and drank two of them and uh i can hold my liquor but i was uh, i was pretty good to go for a little while uh nice. really really awesome stuff uh all right david price what are you sipping on i just topped off my jim beam and ginger ale nice. and i am now out of jim beam i am a sad little jew nice well i've got a little variation <laughs> on that in a second um uh uh mr mr b Another surprise for this episode. 
Dun, dun, dun. Thanks to my good buddy, Michael, Dowdy uh, yeah. Goubet on our forum. I am drinking Smithwick's Imported Irish Ale. Oh, nice. Time out. Time out. Er. Calling time out on you, buddy. What's, why? Why? In the, in the motherland, we call it Smittix. It's okay. Smittix. Not Smittix, but... Okay. Go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> take two. I am drinking <laughs> Smittix. <laughs> I am drinking Smittix, imported yeah, yeah, Irish ale, chasing it with a bottle of Magic Hat. Uh, this is called, it's a H-I-P-A. HIPAA? One, I don't uh, pale ale, but... Three quarters of a pint of India Pale Ale. Oh, there you go. There you go. It's um, uh, I love Smittix, and it's usually something I'll start with a Guinness, and then uh, and then I'll switch to to Smittix as a wider as a wider beer uh, a little bit later in the night. So that's good stuff. Very 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 tasty. Very Proud of you. Um, oh. And uh, counter Mike. to David, as I uh, as I alluded to, um, I'm drinking uh, Bourbon and RC. This is uh, my third one tonight because I've been a little angry today, so I'm trying to calm down. A little? And, and I actually Tell ran. Me. You ran out of Jim Beam. I ran out of RC, so I'm pretty much just drinking Beam now. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> so th- this could turn into a fuck you all episode, but I'll try to explain <laughs> yeah, it. It's been a fuck you all kind of day. As far as it I'm has concerned. been a fuck you all kind of day. Yeah. Calm down, people. God damn it. Fucking... Understand that sometimes you can be kind of ignorant, and, and I understand. It's I've been ignorant. I am ignorant. No, happen. No, it happens. It happens to all of us. But but God damn it, recognize sometimes that you may be a dumbass, and and that's what separates a lot of people. Not whether you're a dumbass or not, but recognizing if you're a dumbass and stop every great once in a while and say, you know what, I may be a fucking dumbass, and and. <laughs> And that would, we would all be better off if we're like, you know, am I being a dumb? Yes, I am being a dumbass. I will stop for a second. Hi, I think that's why we're all buddies. Cause my name we is all... Vince B, and I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I'm a dumbass every day. <laughs> it's like no, the... you guys call me on it, so it's nice. <laughs> you've grown a lot since you've started hanging with us. You know. I know it's scary, actually. Yeah. You three mooks actually got me. Uh, behaving better who would ever thought that would happen <laughs> you know it, 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 it's true you know since i god bless podcasts because since i've started being involved with these and and, and really kind of paying attention to my quote-unquote fandom i feel like i'm a better fan of comics and um four years ago i felt like i knew it all and now i'm realizing that i don't even know what i don't know and it's you need that kind of humility whenever you feel like you are really ingrained in something. And, and you see it in professional sports. You see it in movie fans. You see it in, in people that are into politics or finance or whatever. People feel like they're experts in it. And sometimes you just need to go, you know what? I'm a fucking dumbass. And realize that you have a lot to know and learn and understand about whatever your your passionate field of interest is. That that, that kind of touches on something that I'm going to talk about later tonight, actually. Oh, ooh, super long segue. You're gonna, you're yeah, gonna I know it's gonna have to wait. So. <laughs> no, I was, no, I was. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Uh, I got nothing to say. Important. Just I want to hear what you have to say. No, I was Mr. Just Quiet say, Man, talk. I, I was just going. No, I I would segue into it now, but we uh, 
we have some other business to take care of in a few minutes, so I don't want to That's true. lose my thoughts. So I'll, we'll get back to it later, but some, by all means. Some very Ooh. special, fantabulous business to take yes. care of. Yes. Can, can, I t- can, I, can I tell you all what I'm up to this weekend? In, the, in your weight loss, you mean? No, 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 down to there. But but what I'm up to this week right now, I I am I'm coming to you from the skeletal remains of what was my comic book room, mm. wow. and uh, the uh, the new uh, Niesman household fortress of solitude is going to <laughs> under a major renovation, and uh, and hopefully by. Sunday or so, I'll go ahead and post some pictures for those of us sad enough out there to uh, be interested in uh, in such things as comic yes. book room. That is but, uh, dude, we 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 have a thread on the forum for comic book rooms and collections and how you have your shit displayed. So we best be seeing pictures. That's awesome. I'll put it in my my um, my awesome dad and I for the last about week and a half have been. Um, Designing, uh, constructing, and finishing a huge wall-long uh, bookshelf and desk unit that's going to house all of my comics and uh, trades, hardcovers, and give me a place to uh, put my computer station and all that shit to talk to you, uh, Mooks. So, uh, major major changes here in the old Neesman household. I, I told Marta that uh, that my room was going to uh, vomit. Um, over the rest of the house, and true to form, there is just shit all over the place, just boxes, and I told her, it's like, don't touch the Hellboy figures, they're going to be going back into the room, I promise, yeah, there's there's shit all over the place here, but uh, yeah, major, major uh, redesign to the comics room here, I'm very excited about it. Sal is fucking sick to death about uh, hearing about it, by the way, so. Nice. I can't imagine that. Is she allowed to allowed either. Do what? Is she allowed to touch your Barbies? I know she can't just tell boy figures, but we, we do not have Barbies. We have, I, you know what would I have an original GI Joe though? A man's man's GI Joe back when they were twelve inches. Yeah, yeah. Those, those little yeah. tiny things, dude. Size dude, matters. I've got the, I've got the the scuba outfit complete with the with <laughs> the uh, with the scuba tanks. You know, torpedo. you say <laughs> there was a torpedo. Every time I hear that word, scuba. You know, uh-huh. if you say that about five or six times in a row, it gets really funny after a while. Yeah, <laughs> scuba, 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 scuba. It's funny, scuba. Yeah. No, but no, seriously, I've got. Uh, it was. Uh, it was my uncle's twelve-inch uh, GI Joe. It's probably nineteen fifty. God, late late fifties. Um, wow, vintage, that's old. Yeah, like vintage GI Joe, and I've got like different outfits. It's it's ridiculous. The 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 set up with it and seriously the the scuba outfit with the, uh, with the scuba tanks and <laughs> shut up no no it's really it's really scuba cool <laughs> uh, so anyway i'm wasting time what do you have to oh i read two things for this week and this is another super long segue but both of them have to do with aliens and alien abductions and they're both freaking fantastic one of them i bought today wow. Yes, came wow. out today. It or no, today's Thursday. Duh. See, I'm all screwed up because we're not recording on a Wednesday because somebody had business they had to take. Dude, you're, but, you're um, taking them behind the veil. Don't take them behind the veil. Well, the veil. <laughs> hey, we're transparent, unlike other people in this country. It's new Comic Wednesday. Come on, what you buy today? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, we'll get into it later. But Groom Lake Number One was fantastic. Wow, it's funny you say that because I was filling out my DCBS order tonight. In fact. 
And Groom Lake number two was one of the ones I was thinking, ah, should I order it? Shouldn't I order it? And so maybe I'll order it. Oh, it's because I ordered number one, but I, yeah, I haven't gotten it yet. So now, yeah. wait, wait, what is what is this? Published by IDW, the fine folks oh. that published, you know, All Hail Megatron and GI Joe. It's <laughs> um, uh, Lock and Key. Yeah, that's true. That that thing too. Yeah, yeah uh, an angel. Written by Chris Ryall, illustrated by Ben Templesmith. Ooh. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, judging by the title, if you are as steeped in the paranormal as I am, you will know that Groom Lake is the purported site of the ultra-secret test facility in Nevada, supposedly where they do reverse engineering on alien spacecraft. That's and right. that's the title of the book. But so far, it has nothing to do with Nevada. It actually features the real site of the underground bases and that's New Mexico. See, they uh, want you yes, to, they want you to think it's in uh Nevada but it's not New Mexico. No. But anyway, is great it, book. Uh, is it um is it Fell Temple Smith? Yes. 30 Days of Night Temple Smith. Um see, I'm shooting my wad here. There's not going to be much to talk about later. But <laughs> okay. uh no, it's your wife's used to you shooting your water. Yeah, she likes to. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't say that. Uh-huh. We may have <laughs> listeners here that haven't oh, listened to us before. Um, no, <laughs> it's it's very much Fell Temple Smith. He's using a lot of uh, dot screens, which work really well, and uh, the, the the textured backgrounds that he used to good effect in in Fell are back in this. Uh, it 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 looks like typical Templesmith to me. The, the very limited palette, as in Fell. I don't think the man needs uh, an expanded palette because he can do things with two or three colors that most people, most artists would couldn't even dream of doing. But it's effective. Uh, he 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 needs the colors though. And I and I no, I disagree. No, no, no. Have you seen the pencils for Fell? And they're uh, not even really pencils. No. There, How did it, you see them? Um, they've been posted. I, I think they were. In, it, they, it, well, no, they, I think they were in supplemental stuff for the for the hardcover and what. Oh, I thought you meant you saw them in in real life. Yes, yes, Ben Ben fucking something. Well, hey, you have the popular <laughs> podcast, buddy. Shit. No, no, I mean, it, and and they're beautiful. Shit, I think you can buy them. You you find whoever his art dealer is, and you can buy pages from Thel. Hmm. Um. And and it's pretty it's pretty basic stuff. I mean, it's it, it's pencils and and he uses a uh, um, uh, oh uh, white charcoal and I I forget nice. the the name of it, but you know what I'm talking about. Ben. Right. But the, the reason I, I like his limited palette so much is he he will adjust it based on like scene transitions. So you may have and it works really well in in Groom Lake because in the beginning you have an alien abduction and it's um, a man and his dog driving down a New Hampshire road at night and it's very moody and there's a lot of greens and then when the scene changes to the next part of the book you get this jolt of browns and then when there's a major exclamation point in the book it almost approaches full color but not quite so it, he's he's like easing you into it and then he hits you with the zinger of near full color and then it goes back to the somber blues and the greens yeah, it's, but, it's but really it, but effective it, but it, but it's all very atmospheric, and his work yeah. is very atmospheric, and it needs, and, and even, yeah, I, and I'm agreeing with you here, basically, is that a limited color palette is fine, but his stuff needs to be colored for um, an atmospheric um, uh, 
effect. And I, I, I can't imagine his stuff being in black and white. It needs to have um, uh, color to it. I, I just read uh, Hatteram, the uh, what the the Looking Glass Wars, and mm-hmm. um, uh, absolutely gorgeous, beautiful stuff. I think it's a nice mix or or an in between point between uh, his stuff on Fell and his stuff on Thirty Days a Night. And and Fell I love because of its simplicity, where mm-hmm. Thirty Days a Night I love because of the uh, uh, brash atmospherics of it. But from a storytelling standpoint, you can get fucking lost and not know what the fuck is going on. It's still beautiful. But it, it's it, it, from a, a comics storytelling standpoint, it's not super strong. Um, where I think Hatteram was a nice mix, and so that's kind of what I was asking you: Is this Fell, Temple Smith, or Thirty Days a Night? Is it is it strong storytelling, or is it overly atmospheric stuff? It's both. Okay, kind of like right. Hatteram. You know what? Let me drag you through it because it'll. I can do it in five minutes. The, from the f- first thing I saw of the cover, it's a gray as in Alien Gray, smoking, which fans of the X-Files will, you know, latch onto it automatically because we've seen smoking grays in X-Files, but this gray has two cigarettes in his mouth, so he's twice as good. But it begins on, like I said, a New Hampshire back road. Um, uh, This dude named Barnabas Bauer and his dog Scruffs driving down the road. The radio starts cutting out. It's classic abduction scenario, but... They, they, you know, they bring him into the ship and they experiment on him, and he's pretty compliant. He, he's lucid and agrees to whatever they, they were doing, but they take it to a point where he was not prepared for, and they do, they actually mutilate him. They, they experiment him on to the point where they introduce alien DNA, where he looks like this Lovecraftian horror in a, in a hospital bed. So two years later, his son thinks he's dead. This woman. The HBIC, you know what that stands for? Head bitch in charge. Yeah, I was just gonna get. Yeah, uh, <laughs> she she's uh, somewhat like an FBI agent. They haven't really fleshed out what organization she works for. You can assume the government. Um, her name is Letitia Pope. She takes the son, named um, Carl, to this underground test facility in New Mexico, and while he's there, her fa- his father literally explodes. Just blows up. He's got tentacles hanging out of him. He's in one day. He's introduced to, to his father, who he, he assumed was dead for two years. They introduce him to an alien named Archibald, a little gray alien who was a survivor from the Roswell crash in 1947, and he kind of speaks in that run together tone that uh, Warlock from New Mutants talks in. Like, he'll, he'll smush random words together, mm-hmm. and, and he's a prankster, and he's got a little bit of a sardonic side to him. So, you don't really know where it's going. There's a rampaging robot named Barada. Do you get that joke? As in... Clatu uh, Barada yeah, Nikto. Right. Mm-hmm. From, that was supposedly retrieved from a flyover of the White House in the 50s, which, again is pulled from UFO lore that supposedly happened sometime in the 50s. And there's another uh, character in the book, only introduced briefly. She's an aide. Her name is Roberta Lazar. And in, quote, real life, the scientist who was in charge of reverse engineering the spacecraft at Groom Lake was named Robert Lazar. So Uh Chris Chris Ryall knows his... UFO lore. He's, I mean, he's got it uh-huh. nailed down. It's a fun book. It's part X Files, part 
fell. It's very, like Chris said, moody and atmospheric. It, I, I just, it pushed all the right buttons with me. Nice. Uh, obvi- what, obviously, what, you know. The, the name? Groom Lake. Groom it's Lake. the first issue, uh, three ninety nine. Very nice paper. The the typical IDW cardstock uh, covers. There's some supplemental material in the back. You get two pinups and a double page International UFO Bureau uh, sighting report. Nice. Yeah, it's really neat. And um, I think anybody that likes this kind of stuff will dig this book to death. It's great. And the art, like I said, is fantastic. ID, IDW is just doing some really nice they stuff. They really are. They're killing. They are. Cooper, that's the mark of the 11 o'clock comics. Brian Salazar slammed two Morrison quips into our sides, Chief. We were starting up again after ending bullpen bulletins, and we delivered some great podcasts. And well, now four men sat down around a round table over the airwaves. The drink roll call went down in just 12 minutes. Didn't see the first Morrison topic for about a half an hour. A Batman R.I.P. was the subject, a 13-footer. You know how you can tell when you're in on the air, Chief. You start by listening between the laughing and the getting upset and getting drunk. We didn't know, because our show wouldn't air until Friday. No distress signal had been sent. iTunes didn't even list us overdue for nearly a week. The very first hour, Chief, the Northlander haters came a-cruising, so we form ourselves into tight groups, kind of like a barrel, and the idea was the critique would come along to the nearest man, and he'd start pounding and hollering and screaming, and sometimes the criticism would go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that fellow podcaster, he'd look right into you, right into your eyes, and you know the thing about a drunk podcaster across Skype, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes like a doll's eyes. And when he comes at you, he doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. Pick at your top of the stack and those black eyes roll over wise and you hear the high pitch screaming, the airwaves turn red. Despite all the hollering and pounding, they all come in and rip you to pieces. You know, by the end of the second hour, Chief lost four men to tears. I don't know how many topics, maybe a thousand. Don't know how many men pissing and moaning about the price of comics. They average six an hour. Hour two, Chief, I bump into a friend of mine, Chris Neesman from Chicago. Baseball fan. Thought he'd hit the mute button. Reached over and woke him up. He bobbed up and down like a top upended. He'd been bitten in half below the waist by a copy of Ultimate Hulk vs. Wolverine. Hour three, a young man named Jason Wood swooped in, a lot younger than Mr. Hooper here, starts talking about Deadpool, getting us ready for the wrap-up. Half an hour later, we're saying goodbye. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, Chief. I'll never pair a pair of headphones again. So, four men went onto the air. Their souls barely made it out. Morrison took the rest, May 18th, 2009. Anyway, we delivered the podcast.
Okay, we have with us tonight the writer-artist of the Essex County Trilogy from Top Shelf, the forthcoming Vertigo hardcover OGN, The Nobody, which you've heard about on our forums to death because, damn it, it's worth it, and the recently announced Vertigo ongoing series Sweet Tooth. What's his name? Jeff Lemire. There you go. Hey, guys. How's it going? How you doing, Jeff? Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is really cool. It's a it's a treat for no, us. It's cool for us. Yeah, it's very say, cool. We generally recently. don't have guests, so it's pretty pretty awesome that you're joining us. Yeah, I think is this the is this the first uh, eleven o'clock comics creator guest? Yep. Uh, no, Steve Bryant. No, Steve Bryant. Oh, jeez, uh, I gotta cut that out now. He don't. He don't. <laughs> <laughs> Steve don't count. He's family. Oh. That's that's true. Uh, Whew, save my butt. Which hopefully we can count Jeff as family after we're done here. Oh, yeah. That's right. I hope so. I'm like the uh, Canadian retarded cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, before we, before we talk about comics, I've got to let you know that uh, uh, I've got 100-level uh, tickets to uh, the Blackhawks and uh, the Oilers tomorrow night. Nice, man. Very, ex- very well. Yeah, come, come on down. I may even have an extra ticket for you. But uh, uh, yeah, I got uh, got the uh, dude center ice sixteenth row one hundred and one section. That's beautiful, um, man. That's well, cool. Uh, well, if we're, if we're taking a moment to interject about hockey, I have to give some love to my boy Marty Brodeur, the all-time winningest goalie yeah, in man. NHL. Awesome. So kudos he, to him, and kudos to Mrs. His ex, Mrs. Brodeur, because she just got awarded five hundred grand a year in alimony. Yeah. It pays to marry a Vezina Trophy winner, I guess. Dude, dude, he, he's no Pierre Louis. I'll tell you that. Nice. No, <laughs> I knew that Jeff would get that. Okay. <laughs> any, anyway, um, the St. Louis Blues, right? Uh, Jeff, tell us a little bit about um, the new book, Sweet Tooth, which we just heard about today from the announcement in uh, in Nashville, which made us so excited. Yeah, man, it's an ongoing monthly Vertigo series, full color. Jose Villarubia is coloring me. Nice. Um, I haven't seen his work on my stuff yet, but I'm really excited to. And it's like, uh, yeah, another post-apocalyptic book, but it's really different. It's like uh, these half-human, half-animal hybrid children being hunted by bounty hunters. And it's this crazy mystery and lots of violence and action and Sort of like, you know, the sweet human kind of stuff that my Essex County books were and all mixed together in a weird jumble. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be really cool. I'm really excited about it, and I'm drawing the fourth issue right now, so I'm well... Wow. Yeah. Now, That's what now, I like why, um, why, why Vertigo? Uh, well, I well, obviously I'd made a relationship with those guys with uh, the Nobody... And it was nice I discovered getting paid to do comics. So <laughs> <laughs> I continued to pitch them a few things, and uh, this one went through. So, And plus, the chance to do a monthly book is something... I mean, everyone grows up wishing to do that, and uh, who knows how much longer that's even going to be around. <laughs> I might as well you know, give it my shot. I, I know, dude. You're, you're going in reverse. <laughs> First, you got the, you, got, you got the OGN going out, and, and, and now you're going back to monthly comics. You- yeah, I, you know, it was a weird, it's a weird period in comics where the original graphic novel thing is so popular and bookstores and everything that publishers are actually looking for that more than, you know, like monthly books and things like that. So it was kind of the opposite of how it used to be anyway. Well, Jeff, this is Jason. So in 
uh, in keeping with that, is Sweet Tooth something that you have a definitive in your mind beginning and end, or is it something that you're envisioning can be open-ended for as long as, as there's an audience for it? Well, I, I definitely have the ending. and Like, I know the last issue I pretty much have thumbnailed out already whenever it comes, but it just depends how long it takes me to get there, really. Right now, I know that we're at least good for maybe 15 or 20 issues, and then we'll see right. how it goes. I can, you know, if I get canceled after 15, I can end it there with that last issue, hopefully, or I can use that last issue, uh, you know, issue 60 if we get that lucky. So it's just sort of, uh, you know, how long the journey is is really... The only question I know the beginning and the end. So, from the brief uh, synopsis that was released on Newsarama, it sounds kind of like a, a a tale of uh, redemption or salvation. Are those going to play a big part in it? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, I mean, there's two main characters. One is uh, this little kid named Gus, named after my son, and he's uh, he's a half deer, half little boy who's like lived his whole the first 11 years of his life in the woods and he's never been outside of the woods and when he does go out he just he discovers that america is basically uninhabited that almost you know 90 percent of the population is long dead and there's only a few people left <clears throat> and uh the secrets of the cure to this plague that's killed everyone is sort of somehow in these hybrid children and uh there's this big bounty hunter guy named Jeppard who sort of takes the kid under his wing, and it's really as much his story as it is Gus's. And Jeppard's a really conflicted, sort of tortured character who's who's really searching for something in this world. And I can't say much more without giving away <laughs> too much right now. But I mean, I mean that, that's really a Canadian story because everyone in Canada grows up in the woods away from <laughs> yeah, away, away, away actually, from uh, right? Yeah, I never left the woods until I was 18, actually. <laughs> and that was just to play a, a travel hockey game, so. Yeah. And, and listen to Rush. By, to, to buy the new Rush album, you had to come out of the woods. <laughs> I did. Right. I had to buy the new Rush album. <laughs> well, Jeff, I, ha- I didn't even see anything from the first issue yet, but uh, I did see the images on Newsarama, and uh, we've seen a color image yeah. uh, right, a couple uh, weeks ago the four of us and i already have a pull quote for you and you can use this because i love you how about this get it It, i I think this is a winner buy sweet tooth toot sweet that's that's great yeah the opinions of vince do not match the opinions yeah. of, uh, it's um, gold come on toot sweet. It's sweet toot. all right our first and last but the the art looks fantastic though it really it's, does. It's uh, we had actually um on AC we just had uh, Jeffrey Brown on last week and uh, and talked to him about his stuff with uh, with Simon and Schuster and and the different opportunities that he's had. Um, but but he also talked about how much he loved Top Shelf and and will continue to work with them. Absolutely. Now you have you have a couple projects here with um, uh, with Vertigo, yeah. but do you do you plan on keeping your uh, keeping your relationship with Top Shelf going? Oh, absolutely. I'll never, you know, I'll always be in some way related to those guys. I think I'm working on a book for them as well right now, but it's just sort of too early to really talk about that one. But I'm sure. I'm script- Go ahead. No, uh, uh, sure. It's uh, you know I understand. Chris is is one of the one of the nicest guys in comics, and oh, yeah. I, I I love that publisher. Uh, I, I, I 
the work that they do as far as making just good comics available to people and not being super highbrow about it, but just saying, you know what, these are good comics and we're going to make these available. I, I respect and, and love that publisher um, as, as much as any other publisher out there. Yeah, I, they're they're amazing guys. Chris is is really is the nicest guy in comics, and uh, they're so cool about the Vertigo stuff too. They completely understand that I, you know, that this is important to me, and that I have to, you know, make a living and stuff as well. And they're really cool about me just working on stuff for them when I have time, and if, as long as it's good, they don't care how long it's going to take me. So, it's it's great to have a relationship like that with a publisher. And uh, like you said, their books are amazing, and they all look really great too. Brett Warnock, the their graphic designer and the other publisher he's just got a great design sense and their books always are just really nice packages as well yeah we're yeah, you know we're, we're gonna have a little bit of a party here in september whenever y'all come down here <laughs> i know man it's gonna be a good time it is it is, it is gonna be a good time so i already told i already told chris i got a i got a bottle of woodford reserve i'll uh I'll, I'll set away for him so we're gonna have a little little top shelf party oh, excellent yeah hey i was your first international guest so you gotta fly me down this year you were, and you know what? We've got, we've got some more this year. We got um, um, Jay Torres is coming oh. in, and um, uh, you and Jay are, are you all? You're both in Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we had a. Gosh, we may have another Toronto guest, but uh, you, you know, if we can afford to fly you down, we will. So oh, I'm uh, I, I gotta, I gotta talk to Sal because he controls all the money. <laughs> you know how it is, right? I got the fat Vertigo paychecks now. I don't need your money, man. Ah, uh, nice. There nice. you go. <laughs> Jeff, if, if you would be so kind, I would love a little glimpse into the creative process. What, what kind of brushes you use, what boards you work on, how much of it is digital, whatever you want to reveal because I, I need to know. Well, there's no digital, so that's one easy answer. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank uh, you. Yeah, man, I use, I use you know, a number one stable brush and uh, steel point. Quill, and that's it, man. And uh, just uh, the Bristol board that DC sends me because it's free. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's I don't do anything digitally. It's all you know, all by hand, and I just scan it in and send it off. And pretty old fashioned, but uh, I was mostly inking with pen, like Crowquill, uh, up until this project, Sweet Tooth. And then for whatever reason, I sort of switched back to pretty much exclusively using a brush now. Nice. And nice. Uh, it's the the work's just gotten I, I can't wait to show off some more of the artwork because it's just way way different well not different it's just i think my work's a lo- lot more polished than it has been in the past and in a good way without losing any of the sort of energy that my early stuff had and i'm really excited to show it off anyway are your uh, are, are your pencils tight or do you tend to do everything else in, in um, finishes it's funny it's when i was doing the essex county stuff with top shelf i mean I obviously I wasn't really working directly under an editor or anything. I mean, Chris Chris edits everything, but it's not really you know I don't, I'm not sending them pages every day. I more send the book when it's done, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, so then my pencils were really loose, like barely <laughs> barely anything, just really loose anatomy and composition. And I almost did everything with with ink. But when you get into the sort of the DC editorial system, it's a bit stricter. Where they need to see pencils and then they need to see inks and everything. And that sort of forced me to tighten up my pencils and I think that was one of the reasons my I think my work's leaped so much since working with DC is just it's kind of forced me to slow down and take every stage you know a little bit just really put everything into every stage and make sure the pencils are really tight before I go on ink and you know like it kind of went backwards but <laughs> the uh, 
yeah, the work's really, I think, really jumped a notch since I've been doing it that way. And now, you know, I'm still quite fast, I think, compared to most guys. I can do, like, pencil and ink three or four pages a day sometimes. But, uh, Damn. What's wow. up, Kirby? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's funny that you that you say DC, even though it, it, it's Vertigo. Do you feel that... Um, do you feel that Vertigo might even be a little bit looser than DC proper? With the I, I would imagine, just because with I would think with working with DC, you're use, you're you know working with their properties, so they have a lot more ownership over that stuff, and they're really a lot more careful about what you do with it. Whereas the stuff I've done for Vertigo is it's still my stuff; it's all creator owned. So I think I have a, probably have a bit more leeway in that way, and I think it all just depends on what editor you're placed with as well. And I've been lucky to have some really Cool editors up there. I had I was with Bob Shrek, and now I'm with uh, Brandon Montclair. So they're really wow. both been really great to work with. Well, that, that's really good to hear because I know when when Bob left DC, there was some concern by some of us because we knew he was helping spearhead the push to have some of you uh, up and coming uh, smaller press guys, you know, do the OGN stuff. And uh, yeah. it's, it's good to hear that it was. It sounds like it was a pretty smooth transition for you. Yeah, uh, Brandon Montclair was Bob's assistant editor, and now he's sort of moved on to a, more of a full, full-fledged editor role, I guess. And he's a really, really great guy, a really smart guy. And I'm uh, as much as I love working with Bob, I, I love that I'm still working with Brandon because he's we really get along great and have a have a great relationship. So it's been really smooth so far. I, I just have one more question about the creative process. The one image that we've seen with Gus standing next to the silhouette of the tree and yeah. with with the mint green and the and the reds the beams coming down yeah. that um that almost looks silk screened. Yeah, I that's actually I, I say I didn't do any digital, but that was actually colored digitally and uh, fucking wire. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that's <image>. FEMA. <laughs> yeah, everything is a lie. I that, uh, <laughs> it's I used. The way I did that was kind of I scanned in a watercolor that I had as a background, and then just sort of picked out of like random pixels and placed a color on top, and it kind of had that it gives it that patchy sort of silkscreen look. So mm-hmm. now is, is that going to be the cover to a forthcoming issue, or uh, is it- no? That actually that image I showed you guys. I don't know what that's going to be yet because we're still working on covers and stuff. And uh, the image DC put on or Vertigo put on the. Newsarama today it was like a really early concept drawing actually that the character looks quite different <laughs> from that already but uh, yeah so we're still kind of finalizing covers and things so I don't know when what that image will be if anything how uh, how exciting is it for you to uh, to have like a, a front page Newsarama interview I mean is it kind of uh, kind of weird it's not it's pretty cool man I, I uh, you know I have some comic reading friends who like email me all excited to see my stuff on Newsarama and everything. So it's pretty neat, you know. You know, most- yeah, I I know for us it was like you know it's you see the the standard Newsarama stories and it's like you know to to click on there today and go oh shit Jeff's got a story on there that's awesome yeah it's cool you know it's good I'm glad that's the kind of thing you know Vertigo brings that you know as much as. I love Top Shelf and stuff. Working with Vertigo, you do get your work to a whole different audience that I otherwise wouldn't. And hopefully they'll go back and read the Top Shelf stuff as well. So I think it benefits everyone, really. Well, what do you feel, you know, talking about, you know, the audience that you're going to appeal to, do you feel like Vertigo kind of um, straddles a a nice fence where it's like, I'm going to, because it's a a Vertigo slash DC title, I'm going to 
get into the local comic book shops, but I'm also going to have a book that's going to appeal to the book market, where where Top Shelf is a little bit of both, but really more book market oriented. Yeah, yeah Top Shelf really is more and more a book market, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I hopefully you know I hope I can cross that bridge and get some people to come over who just you know guys who normally wouldn't read my kind of stuff. Um, this book, having said that, is really different from my other stuff, just in the sense that there is a lot more action and a lot more violence and stuff in it. <clears throat> so I, not that that's you know everything that people look for, but I think that uh, just on a sort of a surface level, that will like, attract an audience that I otherwise wouldn't. So. Is this as Tom Caters would describe as being saw for Canadians? <laughs> no, that's <laughs> nice. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't respond to anything Tom Caters says. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's cool right there. Excellent, <laughs> Jeff. So, so this idea uh, you mentioned that you pitched Vertigo a few things, yeah, and this stuck. Uh, is this something that's been ruminating in the back of your head for a long time, or you know, where you thought, "Hey, if I ever get the chance to do a monthly book, this is what I'd really want to do," or, um, or I guess, yeah, where's sort not, of the uh, process of this yet evolving for you? I, I guess I was working on the Nobody, and I, you know, honestly, it was kind of like, well, I, I had my in at Vertigo, so I was like, well, I better pitch him some more stuff, you know, <laughs> and so I came up with it, and uh, yeah, it wasn't, it's not really something that I've had with me for a long time. It just sort of developed fairly quickly while I was working on the Nobody. And I'm not really even sure where it came from, to be honest with you. <laughs> and was it a conscious decision to uh, broaden the spectrum of what people know you for? Because um, I know you certainly you mentioned uh, that there's going to be some of the uh, more intimate, personal moments that, that I think people know you from, from Essex. But obviously this is a pretty big departure otherwise. And, and uh, in seeing some of the reactions on our forum and some other places today, um, which were all quite positive, which I know these days is, is a, a real, in and of itself, a pleasant surprise. That it yeah, that won't last. <laughs> uh, right. But, but <laughs> the people that were familiar with your work that were uh, that saw the news for the first time, I think a lot of them were saying, well, this is interesting. This sounds a lot different than what I know Jeff t- to, to be about. And obviously, yeah. um, I would say, while I'm not surprised to hear them make that rea- reaction, I think that's probably a good thing. And I'm wondering if that was a conscious choice on your part. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, doing the Essex County books was obviously something that was a very very personal story that you know that was really the culmination of kind of my life experiences up to the point where i was doing those books and you can't just just do something that sort of personal and intimate all the time it has to you have to kind of live your life a bit before you have stories like that to tell again and uh as much as i love doing stories like that i'm also a huge fanboy and i just love sci-fi and adventure and you know i love i love all kinds of comics superhero comics and you know indie comics and I, I really want to do, you know, those kind of stories as well. And I just want to try to do them my own way, though, with my own sort of aesthetic and storytelling style. And I don't know. I hopefully it's kind of like a good mix of the storytelling style of the Essex County books, but with subject matter that sometimes, you know, it dips more into sort of genre elements like you know sci-fi, action adventure, and things. And I hopefully it, it kind of creates something sort of unique. So. Yeah, I, I, you can you can pour yourself so much into a series like you did with the Essex County trilogy, but do you feel like you're you know it's like okay that is something that I've done and now it's time to move on to something else. I'm ready to grow beyond. I, I've told that story and now it's time to do something new. Yeah, it's definitely it's kind of a reactionary thing where you you do one sort of story 
and then you want to you obviously want to try something completely different you know just to see just to do something different just to put something else out there so people kind of see the range you have and i mean i think doing the nobody and and this book was definitely like i guess there was a conscious effort on my part to sort of yeah, tell new kinds of stories and show show other things that I can do, you know. I, I really want to be doing comics my entire life, and just tell one type of story really limits the sort of career you can have, I think. That makes sense. And do do you... Um, it strikes me that there are, there are some creators uh, that are really well-known, uh, such as yourself and um, Terry Moore and, and, and uh, guys that are known for, for doing everything in the book, obviously, you know, Drawing and illustrating, Jeff Smith. Um, a few of those guys have 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 gone on and also tried their hat at at, uh, at just writing books and having other people illustrate it. I know uh, John Hickman certainly, you know, with Nightly News, and he's talked a bit about how it was hard for him to hand over the reins of the illustrating when he started doing Red Mass. Um, so I'm just curious if if I know it's kind of early in your career at this point, but have you given any thought to you, to a time where you'll also be perhaps just writing a book or two and letting someone else illustrate your vision? Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing is, when you write and draw a book, it's it's obviously a very time-consuming process. You don't have a lot of time to do anything else. Whereas, if I could write and draw a book, but also be just writing something that someone else is drawing, to you know, it it could allow me to tell other more than one story at a time, <laughs> which would be nice. So I think I yeah, I would definitely be into just writing something, you know. But it would all depend on the artist. I'd have to really have a good relationship with the artist, and it would have to be someone whose work I really admired and stuff. But uh, absolutely, I'd I'd be into that for sure. You know, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because I hear the the same thing um, kind of from Scotty Young, who is who is you know kind of an artist first, but is a guy who really just likes to tell good stories. And he's I I, I think from you know talking to Sal. That, that he's kind of at that point where he um, wants to draw great stories, but he really just wants to tell great stories, and however he can get that out of himself. It sounds like yeah. you guys are, are really at the same point in that, where it's just you want to tell great stories. Yeah, and you know, like I said, it takes so long to do when you're doing everything yourself, and inevitably you're going to get other ideas for stories that you really get excited about, but you just don't have the time to do anything with them. And that's just a great way to do that as well. Yeah, can you imagine like, uh, um, you know, in Vince, you can probably talk to this, you know, you, you, you roll back the clock to, you know, 1971 and Kirby and, and you like transport him to like today and it's like, you know, Jack Kirby, come up with some ideas and you don't have to draw them all, but <laughs> just, just, you know, pitch this to an artist and have them and have them come up with it where like Kirby kind of takes on the Stan Lee role. It, w- it would be really kind of interesting to see what, what Kirby's effect would be on comics if he had that, that opportunity to kind of just art direct. Yeah, man. I, th- isn't that Grant Morrison? Vince disappeared. Where are you? I'm here. I'm just listening. I I was waiting for the response. Nice. And? Well, um, I'd hate to fall in the same old trap as I always do, but Jack (laughs) did that in the 60s. I I, I set (laughs) set you up on a fucking tee, dude. I know. (laughs) I was being respectful to the guest. You know, I don't know if if he likes, he's a Stan guy. I don't know. But yeah, Jack. I'm not a Stan guy. I'm a Jack guy. (laughs) Oh, I love you. No, now I can get into it now. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But we've well, seen that before. 
Marvel Age of Comics. Jeff, another thing uh, I just wanted to say, you know, we have been talking up uh, the, the Nobody, obviously, and hopefully that, that uh, hopefully the pre-orders are going to be killer for that. But uh, I just wanted to say real quick while we have you on that that uh, did get the sketches you did, and they're fantastic, and uh, and much love for that. So uh, oh. you, you were kind of to do a uh, Invisible Man and also a Wolverine for me, and uh, and also little things that bring the heat. So I I, uh, I really appreciate that. <laughs> but, but about that though, it makes me think. You know, on your website, you're and and I've seen some of your your uh, commission work. You, you you definitely are a fan. You mentioned you're a fanboy. You you definitely do like to draw uh, superhero characters and whatnot, which I think might surprise some people. So uh, looking further ahead, do you ever envision a scenario where you would be willing to or interested in writing something in the you know the superhero or yes. uh, mainstream genre? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely, okay. I would love to. I uh, I'd love to get my hands on pretty much any DC property because I love them all. <laughs> yeah, you, you do. You do some. Bits in fourth world characters. Oh god, I love that stuff. But I, <laughs> and my dream dream book is probably Doom Patrol. I would just oh. all to do Doom Patrol, man. Oh, I can so imagine that. that. Oh. You know, <laughs> I, I I really got uh, kind of turned on to the fact that that you did awesome uh, awesome superheroes, it's especially Kirby stuff. Going back to Kirby, you did the most awesome eleven by seventeen image of. Of Mr. Miracle, like trapped in the page, oh, yeah. he's like trying to escape out of out of. The, he was like totally boxed into the page, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" And and your <laughs> style conforms to Kirby's kind of craziness so well, but it's with your twist to it that just it, it's just those iconic shapes and forms that Kirby came up with. But but your style just adapts to that so well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that uh, I think I still have that Mr. Miracle painting somewhere in my portfolio. But yeah, I love drawing Kirby stuff. The colors and the costume designs are just so fun to draw. So. And you know, I, 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 go, ahead. go ahead. Just speaking of Kirby, another huge influence on Sweet Tooth was Commandy. But like, I gotta well, go Vince, get a sponge. Wait a minute. Yeah, I was gonna say Vince just came a little bit. And Vince's paint. seat is all wet right now. <laughs> well, he's kind of the last boy on earth, and it's all these animal hybrids and oh man, oh, kind boy. Of <laughs> <laughs> I love. It. Well, you've just locked up. Uh, Vince's closing remarks will be read, uh, read Sweet Tooth every month from here on out. I think. Yeah. Well, he God. he had me at hello. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Hey, hey, Jeff. What uh, what conventions are you going to be at this year? Uh, I'm doing San Diego, Windy City, of course. And what else am I doing? Jesus. Uh, I think I'll do Baltimore, and uh, there's a couple here in Toronto that I'm going to do. So, kind of a light year for me because we just had a baby. So, uh, congratulations. How, how long ago? Uh, February second. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. January 20th, my wife had a baby, so we're not too far apart there. Oh, you a boy or girl? Yeah, I had a boy. Congrats. <laughs> you know, we didn't do uh, Drink Roll Call, and I got my Canadian club already here. So. Oh, oh, you did Jesus. it before you got on, so by all means, go ahead. That's, well, I just did, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, Mayor, whenever you come to Chicago, I'm going to turn you on to some fucking American whiskey instead of that weak-ass Canadian shit. Oh, uh, you know what, Chris? I don't think I can come anymore, man. Dude, come on. That's right. (laughs) Sit up there, drink your little wussy 80-proof whiskey, and... Are we supposed to berate the guest? 
I don't. <laughs> have you never Jeff, listened Jeff, to Around Jeff, Comics? Chris, Chris no. Well, I'm only the second guest you've had. Like, that's strange. I don't know. Why. Yeah. No, no, Jeff. Jeff, seriously, it. Uh, uh, I know that. Uh, I know that you. Uh, you just had the the young, and so it means a lot to us that you're going to make it to Windy City. We're. Thrilled. Uh, that was that's a, such a great show. It was. Uh, it was such an artist show. You know, you go to all these big conventions, and they're just so full of vendors and. Which is great if you want to buy comics and stuff, but really, if you want to just come and meet artists and talk to them and get sketches and stuff, your show was absolutely perfect. So. Did you hear what we you hear what we're doing this year? No, we took out the entire gaming area and we're adding oh, like thirty five more creators. Yeah, that's perfect. It's a great show for that, and I really I think uh, it was really fun to do a one day show instead of a three day show for once, so we could actually like spend a day walking around the city we were in, which we never get to do. So. Absolutely. That that that's the goal is to get people to come into Chicago and go to a, a really fun creator oriented one day show, and then you get the rest of the weekend to to spend in the city. So that's exactly what we wanted to do. So maybe this year we can get you to a baseball game instead of a hockey game. <laughs> yeah, man. Maybe I don't know. That's uh, All right. I, I really doubt it, but. <laughs> oh. I hate people. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, fuck. Uh, he, this, this guy's perfect. <laughs> it's his dream date. <laughs> my what are you wearing? <laughs> come on, you're not even a Blue Jays fan. I'm wearing my Mr. Miracle costume, Vince. Oh, please. Oh, Vince is wearing his commandy shorts. <laughs> no, he's wearing his big Barda costume. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the nipple parts are cut out. It's really nice. <laughs> it's classy. <laughs> Uncomfortable. Seriously. <laughs> Unheard of. All right. All right so was... are are we all are are we all done with uh with our special guest this evening? Well, just one more thing. Let's not forget about the collected Essex County trilogy. Yes. Which that. is coming out in August in both paperback and hardcover. Booyah. Ooh, and it's so got good. like uh I think sixty pages of previously unpublished stuff in it, so it's yeah, definitely cool. a good part And it's got a Jeffrey Brown pin up in it too, so that's uh, neat. Wait, now, is it like a, a pinup of Jeffrey? <laughs> I wish. No, it's Jeffrey Brown drawn drawing my characters in there. Really, that's awesome. Yeah. The Labouse, uh, the Labouse, yeah. Now, will the sixty pages appear in both versions or just the yeah. deluxe hardcover? Both versions will be have identical content. Nice. That is great. I am yeah, if I could just say one quick thing before I go, I just want to thank oh, me, everyone, oh, everyone who pre-ordered the Nobody and who emailed me about the sketches and all your listeners. It was really great. I appreciate all the support, and uh, especially when Sweet Tooth comes, please pre-order because I don't want this book to get canceled after five issues. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's really. I know Vertigo is a really wait for trade kind of thing, but buying single issues do really matter. So if you know, and the first issue is only a buck, so. Yeah, you know, and, and I and I think that people sometimes are afraid to pre-order, and sometimes it can be as easy as just going into your local comic shop and saying, "Hey, there's a new book called Sweet Tooth, and just uh, I'm interested in it. Order yeah, it for totally. me." And, yeah, I mean. I mean you can pre-order it. You can say, yes, order this book for me. But sometimes it it's as easy as going in and talking to your local comic shop owner or manager and saying, hey, there's this book. Make sure that you order copies because I won't. And, yeah. and that's, that's sometimes just as easy. And in all seriousness, to people out there listening, I've heard many of people say, well, I, I ask for my, my shop owner to pre-order something and they tell me they can or they don't. That's ridiculous. It's really yes. not any harder for them to pre-order something than it is for you to 
go onto an online store like DCBS and fill out your own pre-order for previews. So any store that you can't go in and tell them the order code or the name and and tell and they can't pre-order for, if they say they can't pre-order for you, if you're in a place where there's another LCS, try that LCS because it's really not that difficult for them. And it's no it's no skin off their backs because if you pre-order it, you're going to pay for it. And-, and and if you need any other reason to pre-order Sweet Tooth, I've heard it described. I saw the greatest mashup description of it ever. I saw it described as Bambi meets Mad Max. Yeah, Sweet. with a little I bit was, of Tim Truman Scout mixed in there and command oh, as well. So. There you I go. was thinking it, it sounded to me like Oliver Twist meets the Island of Doctor Moreau meets the Stand. It's the Watchmen meets Citizen <laughs> <laughs> meets Pearl, meets Uncle Scrooge. Meets Bible. It's the Bible. Sweet. Nice. nice. Well, well, Jeff, um, it's always good to talk to you. You're one of our favorite. Just not just comic book creators, but people in general. And um, please do not be a stranger. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for all the support, and uh, you know, thanks a lot. All right, all before right. you go, your pick, Stanley Cup this year. Uh, it's got to be uh, San Jose. Oh, wow! And, and one other thing, you can, you can you know we always signed off by we always sign off by saying telling our reader, our listeners to please read something. So why don't you go ahead and tell them to please read something? Oh, scalped. It's the best book on there the stand. Nice. Right. There you go. Well done. Great. Well, thanks a lot, Jeff. We really appreciate right, guys. it. Guys, thanks. Thank you, Jeff. Have a great night. Take it easy, man. See you in September. Yeah, for sure. Bye, sweet tooth. Too sweet. No, oh, Jesus Christ. Christ. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's yeah. gold. It's yeah, he was like, uh, gold. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll pass that along. To no, he was no, he was writing it down as I was saying. He was. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard. Newly great guy. I he heard the he pencil. When Vince said no. that he didn't hang up, I knew he was really as good a guy as we thought he was. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's a money shot. It's gold. Buy sweet too too sweet. What? You know, he, he is good. Here it is. My favorite story from Windy City last year is that Jeff is packed up at the end of the day, and um, um, Chris at at Top Shelf had sent up several boxes of of, of Jeff's stuff for the, for the show. And he's packing up, and his his lovely wife is there, and they're you know rolling out of the show. And I'm like, um, "Where's all the books that Chris sent up?" And he's like, "Dude, sold them all." And I was like, "That is awesome." And so whenever I saw Jeff walking out, and he had sold all of his books for the entire day, and he was busy sketching and painting his ass off all day long, that's when I knew that that show had been a success and that he had had a good day, and it was totally worth him coming to Chicago. And and to see him do as well as he did made me just... I was tickled pink about it, and that guy. If you if you can catch him at Baltimore or Toronto or whatever show he's going to be at, God do so. Get a, and they're not sketches. Get a mini commission from him because he is fucking amazing. And yep. you're not going to get you're not going to get work from anybody else like you get from Jeff. It, he is unique in the comics industry and a hell of a nice guy. Oh yeah. Beauty, eh? So why don't we take a phone call, and then we'll be back. Hey, this is Daryl. I want to congratulate Wood on his new podcast. It was, it was really good. You know, he kept everything in line. I liked his, uh, what he talked about with his comics and stuff, and I look forward to more episodes. Sorry, the, uh, 
the other around the 11 o'clock comics thing didn't work out, but that's cool. But would, you know, keep going with it. Take care. Fuck it. Hey, this is Daryl again. I want y'all to take a look at this artist. His name is Eddie Daryl. He does, um, he did Teen Titans for a while with Sean McKeever. And his art is just beautiful. Now he's doing action comics with Greg Rucker. And check out this guy's art. He has a nice blend of, like, Alan Davis, a little cross between Alan Davis, maybe. And I don't know. I can't explain, but it, it's, it's just, you just have to check it out. It's just really, his art is really good. He does action very well. You know, he conveys emotion. I look forward to it. I wasn't even going to get Action Comics once they changed it to, they took out Superman and took it out. But after looking at that book, I have to buy it. So give it a check out. It's, it's good. Later. Okay, this is Daryl. Now, I've been hearing a whole bunch of people talk about how great Umbrella Academy was. So I said, okay, why don't I check it out? So I tell you, I get the trade, volume one. I just finished reading it. I don't get what the big deal is. I mean, it's the art is okay, but I would prefer the cover artist to be the interior artist. And it just, it was just that weird, quirky type of writing, but I don't see what the big... Thing was, I mean, is weird supposed to be new? Is that what it is? I mean, I understood it. It's not one of them cases where I'm the dumb fanboy. I didn't get it. It's above me. No, it wasn't that. It's just, I just don't see what the big deal was. It's just, it was just weird. A weird superhero story. A weird super team story. I mean, some of the concepts were, were different. But the flow was just off at times. Like the second issue, it was just kind of boring. I mean, it was dark. It had that dark humor in it, which is cool. I like dark humor. But other than that, it was just it was okay. Oh, well. Each is off. So getting back to IDW real quick. Oh, look at you starting off, gangbusters. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I got to make sure they hear me. That's this, right. This is for you, Mike. This is for you, Mike. Um, David. Okay. I, now so they sound like Harvey Firestein in ID4. <laughs> I, I got to call my mother. Chris Dixon said buy GI Joe. Yes, he did. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, you can buy GI Joe. I don't. I don't recommend that at all. Uh, you know what my problem is? Yeah, I know, Vince. Have oh, you want me to answer that? <laughs> Go ahead. Tell me what my problem is with G.I. Joe. Um, the new series. Not Origins, not Cobra. The new oh, wait, you're, you're oh I wasn't series. talking about... I meant your no. problem in general, but if you're talking G.I. Oh, Joe... Oh, oh, um, <laughs> listen to that feeble attempt at humor. That's so Joe? cute. Wait, you have a problem oh, snap. with G.I. Joe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. He, oh, he, come on. Dave, He's ne- am I, he am I going to have to fucking bitch slap you for this shit? Now, Would it be come a first on. time? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. He, I, I don't think David is allowing the book 
the chance it needs to breathe based on You're the price. Probably no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The based price on the cover price. Right. The the uh, no. I'm just saying, if four bucks a and pop. And that's valid. That's valid. You're absolutely if, right. If if a storyline is stretched out for six issues, where it could have been done in three, that's a problem. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. And 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 I'm not even looking at the price or what you're getting for the price. Where I when I read. These issues and the, every time and and you know this goes back to we we were kind of like okay cool let's see where it's going after the first issue second issue came out and even Jason was like not, whether it was the art looked rushed or something just the, wasn't the, the second issue of GI Joe has been the weakest issue of okay. the entire relaunch right now the third issue I read the third issue and it finally dawned on me what my problem is with this book. Every time it, it's the quick cut scenes for one thing, but what really gets me is that it doesn't feel like a cliffhanger when I get to the end of the book. It's like it just ends. It's like that could be in the middle of a scene or a two page sequence, and it's over. It's to be continued into the next issue, and it doesn't. It doesn't leave me wanting. It doesn't make me go, "Oh, I can't wait to see how they get out of this." It ends where it just like they ran out of pages, or we figure this is where the book's going to end yeah. this week. This, it, that's what. That's what kills me with this book. That's what just takes me out of it, and I'm like, I, I, I don't want to read the next issue because I'm excited. I'm, I'm See, I haven't noticed that at all. That's cool. Uh, no, no, it, seriously, it, it, I'm not. It, it, I'm not it, trying it, to prove it, you're wrong because there no, is no I, wrong. I know, but I didn't notice any choppiness in, in the narrative. It just feels natural. The point where they left it off. It feels like um, the cartoon. If you were going to have like a six issue cartoon, it's like bump. That's it. And they pick up next episode. I don't well, know. but if you're used to a certain type of storytelling and you experience this, I have to give David a little bit of points because it is very different. But I have it, no problem with it the seems end of the first different. issue of Origins. The, the, the last, the well, it's a different issue. writer, so it would I be. understand that, and it's somebody who I'm familiar with when it comes to the G.I. Joe universe, mm-hmm. but that felt like it ended where, oh, shit, i I got to find out where it's going. The, you know. Yeah, right. The, you know the second issue ended that? with Baron is talking to Destro, and it's like, oh wow, okay, that should have been exciting. I want to find out what happens, but we didn't even well, begin. To... Go ahead, dude. Dude, welcome, welcome to the waiting for the trade culture of comics. It uh, it actually fucking felt natural to me because it's like, yeah, it's written for the trade. Well, I think, but I'm not reading a trade. Though. Yeah, I was going to say it, it, that's. I think that it. I think what but if it's David, written for the trade, you are reading for the trade, whether well, you know it or not. I think to David's point, I agree with him. Um, if you're going to sell books in a monthly form, I think it's all too easy these days for writers to forget that a comic book for a lot of decades has been able to have a cliffhanger that wants you to come back for the next issue. Whether the arc goes one issue, two issues, five issues, or 20 issues – you could still leave us with something that's compelling. Now, I I, I enjoyed the first issue of G.I. Joe quite a bit. Um, as David mentioned, I thought the second issue, I thought the art was uh, a little too much like the stereotypical uh, licensed art that I think people think of, but I didn't really have an issue with this. With, I didn't have a problem with the story, though. I'm still it, back. It, but. Felt, it felt rushed. It was. Yeah. And yeah. With, all of the, with all of the issues that have come out for Joe, it was the weakest of all of the relaunches to this point. But I think, that, to David, you wanted to talk about G.I. Joe Origins, right? Which I hope you do, because that was fucking bad ace. Well, you, you read it more <laughs> recently than I did, so you go crazy. Well, I read it today, uh, finally, got around to reading it, and you mentioned it last week, 
Um, and I've just been waiting to read it because I, I was sure I would like it because I love Larry Hama and Larry Hama doing G.I. Joe. I, I can't see how I wouldn't like that. It's just, it's, it's too, the too. It's height. Yeah, it's it was. It's peanut butter so and filling, man. You had mentioned last week the, the art, which is what, Tom Feaster, I think. Is that right, Tom? Is that how you say his name? I think so. Feaster, yeah. yeah. Right. I, I hadn't been that familiar with him. You mentioned him on the show, so I went and checked out his website. And so I, I got a sense of his style. But you're right. It was it was, it was was very, very, uh, very very compelling. Um, I, I thought the the story, for the first time in a long time, uh, inclusive of, of the new IDW G.I. Joe series, G.I. Joe Origins number one felt really fresh to me. And I wasn't sure I would ever read a G.I. Joe story again where they did something new that I thought added to the mythos. And what they did in this, setting up um, the origins of, of not only you know Duke and Scarlet joining the team, but Snake Eyes joining the team and his ties to... Cobra Commander, uh, it, right. it blew me away. I mean, the Cobra Commander backstory, which I don't know if they're doing this because this is what we're going to see in, in the movie that comes out this year or what. I, I don't know if that's related in any way, shape, or form. But Super I will comic. say, okay, um, I will say then that, that that the creation of this backstory for Cobra Commander is fantastic yeah. because I never, in all the years of reading that G.I. Joe comic back with Marvel and watching the cartoon as a kid and having the toys. I never saw Cobra Commander as a badass. I, I, ne- <laughs> I never saw him as a guy that he himself was deadly or a great soldier. Yeah, he or... wouldn't get his hands dirty. Yeah, no, he star- was like he was like a was, sniveling coward. He was Starscream. Yeah, he was- <laughs> yeah. So to see him portrayed as not only you know the guy that will eventually become the head of Cobra, but as a guy who is ex special forces, super deadly, psychopathic, and filthy rich in his own right because he's, you know, of a Ponzi scheme, which is very apropos these days with Bernie Madoff. I just thought it was just a wonderful addition to the mythos and uh, totally hooked me in. I cannot wait for Origins number two. I can't wait. What, what, wasn't it awesome whenever you realized that, oh shit, that's Cobra Commander? It really was. I thought it was just the intro to, because the guy that, the first guy in that scene, the, the FBI agent, I thought was Chuckles because, you know, Chuckles is in G.I. Joe Cobra. Yep. And I thought they were just seeing, I'm like, oh, we're seeing how Chuckles joined the team. And then you realize, no, 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 no. This isn't the intro of, of another Joe. This is the intro of Cobra Commander. And it just is, was amazing, amazing like, stuff. Whoa, yeah. okay, yeah. This guy is a despicable fucking mm-hmm. um, mastermind badass. And it's like, whoa, okay, this this is... <laughs> Blowing up the this, hospital where he had the operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Snake Eyes was basically Snake Eyes because of, of Cobra Commander blowing up the hospital, which is awesome. Um, yeah. and, and now, one thing I did, I mentioned to you guys on the forums, but we didn't, I'll, I guess you were saving your responses for, for the show. Did you take away that the guy at the end with the with the glowing eyes, was that supposed to be Zartan, or or is that someone else? Prob- probably. It's, you know, that's the great thing about this Joe relaunch, is that things are being revealed very slowly and it's yeah so yeah probably but um you don't know yeah Yeah. i didn't get that because i'm not as immersed in the joe stuff as as the rest of most of you so i pretty much took it as a hmm wonder who that is what's great about it is that you don't have to know because it's Mm -hmm. all being reintroduced and i tell you what would David, Vince, 
Hi. As good <laughs> as Origins number one was, mm-hmm. G.I. Joe Cobra, better. Oh, wow. I'm excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> I, I, I very, very rarely will, will email a, um, a creator about, about a book that, that, that is really, really good. And I emailed Christos Gage about it today and said, Hey, this was, this was really, really good. And, uh, um, I'm I'm gonna pull it up here. And who was the who was the co writer on um on Cobra? I need uh You tell us, buddy. Oh gosh, darn it. Um there it is. Um Um He said uh, Mike Costa and basically I emailed I emailed Christos and said, Hey, this was this was a really, really good issue of G.I. Joe. It was just good comics, and he said that Mike Costa deserves uh, the lion's share of credit, but uh, but he'll gladly uh, gladly take the share as well. So um, Mike Costa uh, apparently is uh, is the co-writer on uh, on G.I. Joe Cobra, and and Christos Gage um, says he deserves the lion's share of the credit on it. I was fucking blown away by this issue. It it was it was espionage. It was funny. It was action packed. It was imagine um, um, the best of Bruce Willis, like Die Hard style, mixed with GI Joe in a comic. Hmm. Cool. How was the uh, art? Shaken did the cover. Who did the interiors? Um, you're gonna ask me that, aren't you? Uh, oh God, I get, <laughs> no, yeah. g- give me give me just a second. I'll let you know. But uh, no, the art the artwork was was beyond solid on it. Now Chaykin is doing the covers on it, and I would love to see this drawn by Chaykin. But the the interiors were were very good. I was I was impressed beginning to end. It was probably even better than than the mainline series. Um, there was the chuckles. Out of all of the G.I. Joe characters in the relaunch, whether it's Origins or G.I. Joe proper, Chuckles is my is now my favorite G.I. Joe character. It's fucking Snake Eyes is a fucking wuss compared to this guy. Really? <laughs> oh, dude, fuck, fuck, that's fucking, interesting. Chuckles is the bullshit. I, I, it, it, it's like, it's, it's like the bullshit, fucking, I love it! <laughs> it's it, it, it you know fucking sna- yeah snake eyes is cool and all that but chuckles it's like he's playing both sides against the middle and he can fucking size somebody up and his uh, fucking chuckles is is awesome Ch- <laughs> awesome fucking awesome and i'm just a little bit drunk right now but no no Chuck seriously no no seriously Ch- chuckles is awesome um he's he he uses his ability to crack a joke and and be funny about shit to throw people off but the entire time that people are like oh this guy's a fucking joke he's sizing them up and he can fucking take them down he he's great um the artist is antonio fuso oh ah. okay and nice. yeah yeah um uh, colors by Chris uh, Chuckery and letters by Chris Mowry. And, really, and, Chris and, Chuckery and, did the uh, colors, and uh, and Andy and Andy Smith is the editor. And uh, yeah, it was uh, my favorite book this week, man. It was uh, I, I really liked uh, 
I like Mysterious, The Unfathomable. I like Supergirl. Um, I liked a lot of stuff that came out this week, but G.I. Joe Cobra, best book of the week, man. Sweet. I can't wait to get my copy then. Yeah, okay. I mean, it sounds, was, sounds really I, good. It was that good. I mean, seriously, read it. And I can't believe I'm saying G.I. Joe Cobra was the best book of the week, but it was. Yeah. Um, overall, I'm extremely impressed with what IDW has done with the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I've I've read the image stuff and the the Devil's Due books mm-hmm. uh, for a period, and this so far is very enjoyable, and I really like it. And I hope that they will come close to doing what Marvel has done. Marvel's still king of the heap for the GI Joe stuff. Mm, IDW's getting off to a nice a nice. Oh yeah, a beautiful start. start. Yeah, very yeah. good start. Yeah. So we, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that they're in like fucking Marvel's top seventy or nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just say this: I, I IDW is off to such a strong start that it makes what Devils Do did with the title look very dated. Or well, yeah, but Reloaded was pretty good. Mm. Have you have you read GI Joe Reloaded? Have yeah, really not huge. I, yeah, let's just I, I don't I don't want to be negative. I, I'm just going to say that okay. I, there, I, I, there, there is, there is, there is maintaining status quo, and there is re-energizing a title. And right, right now, IDW is energizing the title. They plugging it in. Yeah, yeah. Can you dude, f- fucking Chuck Dixon, Larry Hama, Christos Gage. Larry Hama is the bomber. Hey, oh, you, Jesus uh, I, I, you know what? Are we gonna uh, have Obama? Hey, all, all, all three of them are good. And and Larry Hama is the connection to the great Marvel G.I. Joe, but Chuck Dixon is this is tailor made to what he does, and Christos Gage is one of the the really great new espionage and action thriller writers in comics. So there's there's not many other writers that uh, you know. I think Andy Diggle could write a great GI Joe. I think Rucka, um, <laughs> if put in the stunned. Ru- no, 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 because it, it's espionage. It's it's special ops. I think if put in the right um, in the right storyline, could do a great yeah. story. There, there's there's a few writers that do very well with military and espionage type stories, but but Gage, Hama, and and Dixon are definitely three of those guys. So IDW has put the right the right writers together on this, and they, and they've done it they've done it correctly. So man, you know you know tip of the cap to them. I'm, right. I'm and don't about f- don't forget Mr. Gage's partner. Yes, yes, yes. Um, shit. What's his name? Fucking <laughs> Vince. Costa. I Costa. love pushing you. In. There you go, motherfucker. Uh, Mike Costa, and yeah, it's like it's like the first time that you know I said Brian Reed or um, um, Eric Troutman, you know that kind of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm sure this is going to be a probably a household name for comic book fans here in the next few years. I hope so. No. Won't be long before fans yeah. are Costa and him at Collins. Yes. <laughs> No, it's over there. I'm going to dial the wrong number, man. Hello? Battle for the call, dude. Read it. One.
I know David has has read something else for this week. I, I and, did. And when you hear the laundry list of creators that have worked on this title, you'll drop a load because it sounds like a who's who of comics. That's funny because when it, when it recaps the people who worked on an individual issue that the, the title of the page is who's who. This goes – I reread – I haven't read this miniseries in a long while, but I read it constantly shortly after I, I, I got it. So my my issues are like beyond tattered and I need to get them replaced. But And never some, collected, by the way. Never collected. Some of the creators – and there's a reason why this was published, which I'll get into later. Some of the creators that worked on this book, Gil Kane, Frank Miller, Bob Burden – Dave Sim, Neil Adams, Sam Keith, Alex Toth, Marv Wolfman, Howard Cruz, Michael Gilbert, Gabriel Hernandez, Jaime Hernandez, Mark Martin, Matt Howard, Tom Sutton. There's like over... Alan Moore. Alan Moore, Don Simpson, Lynn Varley, uh, Don Lomax, Peter Bagg, Dan Klaus, Trina Robbins. The Alan Moore story is probably my favorite. Uh, Should. Me too. About tarot. Nope. Nope. I'm kidding. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a, it's a it, it's a possessed vagina. <laughs> uh, Haunted vagina. Yeah. Sorry. Oh oh, Peter. Yeah, East, no. uh, 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 Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird. I mean, there is it, all right. Jack, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee. Actually, no, you're half know. right. You're half right. Jack Kirby, and the story that he did in this book was inked for the first time their parents... By Jesus. Can I say it? Go ahead. Joe Sinat. Come on. First time together in 15 years. It is a book called Anything Goes with an exclamation mark at the end published by Fantagraphics in the mid-80s. Six issues. And it is awesome. It is a benefit book. Capital B benefit, capital B book. Yes. When uh, Michael Fleischer sued the comics journal bugfuck michael fleischer uh this 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 was the benefit book to raise money for their legal proceedings so yeah David. fleischer it, it's an anthology michael fleischer there was an interview in the comics journal by gary growth who what he interviewed harlan ellison and ellison was talking about the specter series that fleischer wrote and jim Aparo had, had drawn saying that you know if he was he was being complimentary when he said that in order to come up with these stories in order to write this book you 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 bug fuck you just you, you're, you're nuts you got to be crazy you're up there with like you know robert e howard you're just you're nuts and fleischer took offense to this and said how how he was damaged and and it he was unable to work and he just oh, he was he was he was in no shape to he, he was insulted and offended and he took yeah. him to court and he coming from the the author of the uh, world famous Chasing Cooter. Yes, no, I thought it was Chasing Harry. <laughs> was it Chasing Harry? Yeah, Chasing Harry. <laughs> oh, I thought it was Chasing Cooter. Okay, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just remember one section of the book had a woman's pubic hair being lit on fire. <laughs> yes, because they, wow. they they picked up a hitchhiker. So, right, so he's not bug fuck crazy. No, no, not, no, at all. no not, not at all. Not at all. Uh, never mind the fact that you know if you come up with a character who gets cut in half by a big-ass giant pair of scissors. Yeah, that, that's scissors, perfectly right. sane. But in any case, when Fleischer brought the suit against him, the Comics Journal, you know, with the with the First Amendment and, 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 and everything else, you know, they, 
the Comics Journal Fantagraphics can't afford to go to court based on something that you know is said in their magazine. So they asked for, and, and there are people who worked, who, who who contributed work in this in this anthology that they don't agree with growth. They, they 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 don't share his views or his opinions. But knowing what Fleischer, the the, the suit Fleischer brought was basically if Fleischer was kind of in the wrong. They all banded together, and the defendants won. Uh, the Comics Journal and Harlan Ellison, they didn't have to pay. Uh, the case wasn't thrown out, but, but, but Fleischer didn't win. And It was a long battle, though. It was, it was six years, because I think the interview was like right. in 79, and this book didn't come out to like 85 wow. or 86, because it, it ran for six issues. It, uh, it concluded in 87. And honestly, I, I think the first two, maybe three issues are the strongest. The way I see it is they, they put out their their best stories in the first couple issues. Not to say that the remaining three issues are weak. Uh, I mean, you have reprint stories by Tom Sutton. Uh, there's a uh, Marv Wolfman Dracula story, unfortunately not, not illustrated by, by Gene Colan, but it's um, my, there's a Wolverine McAllister story by William Messner Lobes and, and his wife. Wow. I mean, there are just, there is stuff in here that I would kill for it. The, the, the Turtles story, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle story is awesome because it's called Road Trip and you see exit signs on the road for like White Plains and Brewster, which is like 20 minutes away from here. Um, there is, it's, the, the cover of the first issue is by Gil Kane and it's this character, Savage. It's no, no dialogue, no, uh, no text at all. In, in the first story, it's just it's about this character who we're apparently supposed to see more of Gil Kane's Savage coming soon. But uh, I don't know if, if we did after this, even though he was out. At one time, before. wasn't that regarded as the first graphic novel? I am Savage. I want to say, well, other than other than after other than Eisner coining yeah, the term, say, uh, talking uh, about okay. his book. But I, it, it was probably one. I mean, looking back, I would think it probably was. Uh, I think the Bob Burden story was collected at, at in a flaming carrot book. I don't know about the the turtle story. It's um, it's just it's some of the stories do kind of the Dave Sims story really um hits home with the uh, with why this book is being made because one of the characters in in the Cerebus story looks like Harlan Ellison. Um, you know, some of the characters, some of these look like just stories that the creators might have had lying around. Uh, a couple stories look like they were made for this book for for this purpose so that they, they they had a soapbox and they they could give their opinion on yeah. what they about freedom of speech uh but it's my favorite story is a story called pictopia which is written by alan moore drawn by don simpson he of megaton megaton man and uh what was the sci-fi story oh um Don Simpson's. Oh, it had that tarot man in it. Um, damn it! You put me on the spot. I did. Border Worlds. Border Worlds. <laughs> Bingo. And uh, there's a criminally underrated uh, creator. Damn, Skippy. Account. It's it's a uh, it's a, it. <laughs> I can't explain. It, basically, it, I mean, it's an allegory on mainstream superhero. Comics. Thank you. That's it. Yeah. That, that sums it up. There's the and. I, and Definitely one of the best things Alan Moore has ever written. He was originally, he told Groth he was going to write two four-page stories. That grew to one eight-page story, which by the time Simpson was done drawing it and adding to it, it became a 13-page story. And it, it, as much as I love everything else in these six issues, 
between the art and what Moore is writing about the characters like Flexible Flynn, who's, you know, a, a plastic man a- analogy. And, and, um, there's a, there's a character called, uh, Red, Red <laughs> of the Deadwood and Red comic strip, if you remember. Basically, Red is Blondie and Deadwood is her husband. And because, uh, Deadwood is, um, I guess out for rehab, Red has uh, <laughs> opened her door to prospects in order to make make the rent. Uh, it's he, he walks through Toontown, mm. which reminds a lot of which reminds me a lot of uh, what we've seen in, in the Roger Rabbit right movie. Um, there, I guess a, it's an allegory on comics, not just superhero comics. I'm yes, sorry. oh yeah, cartoons, comic yeah. strips, com- yeah, anything, anything comics. There's there's an a there's an appearance by the Phantom at the bar. Uh, it's, it's just, it, it's, it is a Judge Dredd looking character. It's, it's mm-hmm. a freaky story. The Neil Adams cover for the third issue is a, um, is a cover of, uh, Cerebus and oh, imagine that somebody, <laughs> somebody with a whacked out worldview drawing Cerebus. You never see that. <laughs> never see that. That's unheard of. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Cruz, who, who I love. I mean, there's just, there's stuff in here. If, if you find this at a convention, Snatch it. It, it was, it, oh, was yeah. it was, it had a $2 cover price at the time. And back then that was pricey. And I just, what I is didn't, the I, name of this? Anything, anything goes. goes. Yep. Anything goes. Anything goes. Okay. And, yeah, it, and, and it is phenomenal. It really yeah. is. It's it, not too many people either have heard of it or are aware of it. It was, it's, it's published by Fantagraphics who of course published David, the journal. You, you, yep. you have blown my mind. Get out of here. Really? My mind is blown. That's wow. awesome. <laughs> it is. Oh, it's great. I love it. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm trying for the first time in several weeks. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm a little tipsy tonight, so my <laughs> mind is easily blown. But it's, you have it, you have blown my story. mind. It's it's uh it's called um it's called Mother Earth. He's Earth insane, Mother. by the way. Yes, David, he is. Who is? You, I just ordered all six issues. How much Sweet, you get them for? Where? How much? My comic shop, a dollar ninety eight a piece. Oh, oh that's no. a steal. Uh, order 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 another set. I got to order them. Okay, cool. I'll order you two. Okay. I have I have I'll, 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 yeah, I'll pay I'll pay you the money. Um I I need I need these issues again. I mean, my 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 issues are shot to shit. I I love it. I yeah. like I said I haven't read it in years, but when it was coming out, I devoured it. It was cuz, you know, this is the mid-80s. So I'm 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 eating and drinking the G.I. Joe from Marvel. I'm loving The Amazing Spider-Man, The Fantastic Four by Byrne. I mean, everything that I could get my hands on, who's who from DC, The Dark Knight, anything that four color and superheroes that, oh, and, and even, even it was, it was awesome. Time. Yeah. And I, and I love the Eclipse and the first comics and the Pacific comics and everything else that was coming out. But this was completely different. I'm used to anthologies like Marvel Fanfare or, or even like Savage Tales, things like that. But this was just, I didn't. Okay. I didn't even know. I. I just recently decided to find out what the hell ever happened with with the case. I mean, I knew it was a benefit book. I knew why everybody was getting together, but I never. I never sat down to find out who won. And mm-hmm. this week, I decided to. And and I wasn't. I wasn't really surprised with the verdict, but there were links that I was reading. And and uh, when the episode goes up, and Vince has the show notes, I'll put the links up to. Uh, Thank you. And and so people can read about what other people were thinking when uh, when the case was made. But man, if there, I'll I'll try to scan in some images from 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 the issues. It, it, I, I I have a, an almost this. complete run of uh, comics journal, so I have the issues that detailed the, the court proceedings <laughs> too. 
That's good. I do. So. And, you know, unlike the pitfalls that usually are associated with the typical anthology, they're gone on this because it's all top-notch creators, uh, writers, and artists. It's just an amazing achievement. And I'm really surprised that it, the name doesn't get bounced around as, as uh, at all, really, because, uh, like I said, it's like a legendary series. It is one of my favorite, favorite books. And, oh, the, those first couple issues are awesome. Yeah, really, stuff. really interested in picking this stuff up. That's awesome. There you go. That's good We've on. used yeah. the awesome, awesome a lot. Tonight. I can take the rest every, of the year off. This is great. There, there you go. You've talked enough. <laughs> I <laughs> and, go. Oh, That's and the people are interested in. And and speaking of of uh, talking enough, I was very surprised to to know that Sal will be joining us next week. Um. No. 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 It's um. I gotta go on vacation, so we got some we got some options to talk about. <laughs> We're coming back late on Wednesday night, like April like second or something like that. It's that Wednesday, so mm-hmm. I can either be what on with least? you guys on Wednesday or no, I can't be on with you on Wednesday. I can be on with you on on Thursday, or Sal can sit in with you on Wednesday. It's up to you. I guys. would. I don't know about the rest of the folks, but I would love to have Sal back. Sure. So you, so you, so you don't want you don't want me. That's what you're saying. Wait, 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 time out. No, if it, between you and Sal, you're here every week. Let's let's yeah, get Sal. <laughs> we need to clear something up though. Today is the 19th. Next Wednesday is the 25th. Chris, when are you leaving for vacation? No, no, no. I'm I'm leaving on the 28th. Okay, and I'll be back on like uh, April 2nd. Thursday. Oh, so you won't be here for uh, the 50th episode? Right. That's what I was getting at. You're not going to be here for 50. Yeah, so we're going to make 52 you know, you know, special. Yeah, you know what? Have, have Sal on for the fiftieth episode, and then I'll be here for the one year. Okay, okay, that's all right. So, or I can be here on Thursday, but uh, on Wednesday I'm going to be coming back from Mexico. You know what? Since it's the fiftieth episode, I think we should wait till Thursday and have both you and Sal on. Whatever. It's all nailed down. Maybe we we're, can we're have ready. Jeff Lemire back. Hey, Oprah, Skip. Uh, Listen, I got a problem maybe you can help me with. I uh, met this girl through the Craigslist, and uh, we went out. And, well, to make a long story short, we uh, we had unprotected sex in the butt. And, uh, well, that's not the problem because I done prayed on that, and I've got the Lord's forgiveness. But I was just wondering, uh, now it, it hurts when I pee, Oprah. Hurts real bad, and uh, I just want any advice you can give me. It sure be appreciated. Bye bye. Love you. Can I continue my uh, alien Smart. abduction theme Smart going on here? Before you do, All right. Vince, real quick, what? before you do, just because I, uh, it's been a long time since we talked about Fantagraphics, and I just want to yes. give a quick shout out to another Fantagraphics book, and I know you never say no to Fantagraphics, love. Never. Cool. They could uh, rape me, and I wouldn't tell them no. Nice. Uh, there's a book that I had meant to order when it came out. For some reason, didn't. Saw it on sale recently, picked it up, and read it. And that is a Fantagraphics book called The Night Fisher. came out in 2006. Uh, it's by Kikuo Johnson. It's his first book he, he wrote and illustrated it. Um, won't spend a lot of time on it other than to say... Uh, if you like coming-of-age stories and you don't mind very sad coming-of-age stories, uh, 
I, I'm a fan of coming of age books. This is one you really deserve to give yourself a look. It is uh, 144 pages. It's 12.95. You could get it on sale for much cheaper than that. Basically, it's a story of a young man who moves to Hawaii with his dad, who is a dentist. He uh, moves to Maui. Doesn't have a lot of friends. Uh, the people he becomes friends with are, let's just say, not the very, the very best people. Smart kid makes some bad decisions, including getting involved with crystal meth, and has to extricate himself from some very poor life choices that turn his life from very, um, very uh, opportunistic to very tragic in a short period of time. So um, it's a super quick read. I read it on the bus ride to work the other day, and uh, just broke my heart. In fact, it was so emotionally draining that I felt sick that I had read the book as I was uh, finishing up my commute and I didn't have time to read something a little more uh, mainstream and palatable to uh, to clean my palate so it was just weighing on me all that day so um, it's definitely worth a read but I would only read it if you're not already feeling sad so go ahead mm. Vince do your thing buddy talk aliens Wait, well, I, no, no, I'm no. Not, when was but, that published? 2006 um, like I said it was his first work I don't think he's put anything else out yet if he has I apologize I'm not aware of it um, he mentions this was uh, he wrote this between he wrote and drew this between January of 2002 and January of 2005, so this was four years of his heart and soul, and I do believe it is at least semi-autobiographical. So, um, and what is? Uh, repeat what? Once again, what's the name of it? Is it's called Night Fisher. Night Fisher. Okay. Night Fisher. Yeah, and it's by Kikuo, which is K I K U O Johnson. Uh, okay. And it is uh, Fantagraphics. So you don't okay. ask to call me Ray. <laughs> I, how did I miss that one? Usually, I, I scan the Fantagraphics solicits uh, right after I do my image stuff, and I, I must have missed that. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it. Uh, I I made a note of it when it was solicited. For some reason, I guess I just didn't fit into my budget that month, and then I happened to be looking at cheap ass trades a couple uh, four or five weeks ago, and saw this on sale for I think. Something like 55, 60% off, and, uh, and I gave it a whirl, and I'm glad I did. Now, I'm assuming that my contribution at the end of this show would be the last thing we talk about because we're running pretty close to our allotted time. It is the first episode, I think, where we have not mentioned a Marvel or DC book at all. Chris mentioned Welcome. Mysterious The Unfathomable, which is a Wildstorm book that deserves your attention, but for the most part, we haven't mentioned Marvel or DC. That's pretty refreshing for a change. You know what? Uh, real quick here. Someone left AC um, an iTunes review mm -hmm. and said that they're too Marvel and DC focused. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Motherfucker. We just had fucking Jeffrey fucking Brown on as a featured guest on our show after like Sal Abinati and we talk about fucking Top Shelf and fuck. We talk about all sorts of fucking two fucking Marvel and DC fucking pop. Motherfucker. <laughs> it's like, if you like the show, that's great. Thank you. I appreciate it. But two fucking Marvel and DC focused? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> okay. All right. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> God damn it. 
can you know fuck i'm being a fucking douchebag back to the fucking beginning of the show you are a fucking douchebag we, we you know what we need alan in here to drop some some animal science on our asses because <laughs> yeah if there's anything that brightens my day those goddamn goofy lol cats or lol cats whatever you call them uh, he kills I's me the, that, i's that, not a hockey mom <laughs> Dude, I'm putting Alan in my will thanks to those cartoons. He's brilliant, and I, I hope he doesn't. Well, he's going to listen to this. I'll edit that out. He he does not know the pleasure he provides. Let's just no. Leave it at he's, that. Those are awesome. And as I was in a rage today at the state of of the internets and how it's absolutely ruined any semblance of humanity our society has. Uh, I went over to our forum, and Alan is putting all those silly-ass puppies and kittens on making me laugh every dude, goddamn time dude, I look at uh, them. What, did you, you read the last issue of Ghost Reader, right? Ghost, ghost Reader? <laughs> ghost Reader. I have not read I'm it. A, I'm, a, I'm a little drunk. You yeah, read no, the last issue of Ghost Rider, correct? I have not, no. God damn it. David, He'll get have, it. You, have you read the last issue of Ghost Rider? The first Tony Moore issue? Yes. Yeah. So I have. I, I imagined Wooden I as being the futurist Ghost Riders <laughs> in the last in the last you know page or so, um, since Wood hasn't fucking read the issue that we've all talked about <laughs> as being awesome. God damn it! Um, Waiting for the so, trade, buddy. God. Uh-huh. Hey, uh, a bright spot. Mike was looking for that based on our recommendation at a, a semi-local comic shop. They didn't have any copies because they were sold out. Nice. Awesome. So that's Vince. a nice sign. So, yeah. Vince, you were saying. Uh, yeah, I know. Now the Marvel thing is shot. Thanks, I know. Chris. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Uh, all right. I, I, stepped, I stepped all over everyone. That's okay. Continuing the alien abduction conceptual continuity, this is a series that, again, like I talked about Bean World, one of those seminal comic series that should be read by everyone. No, this will be more palatable to, to most people. I know Bean World is a hard sell. This, on the other hand, this is just plain good comics. It's Paul Chadwick's Concrete. Oh, yeah, you know, before you get into it, I will say this, Vince. I didn't know, I don't know what it's about, but I, I, those co- those covers have always been iconic, and that is one of those series that have, has always been, you know, one of those ones where I'm like, man, I really have to sit down and read that sometime. But, yeah, but, you do. You really okay, go do. go ahead. Preach on. Um, so, tell me. Okay. I have all the singles, but I was lucky enough to get in on that Things from Another World bargain basement sale that they had a few months back, and I got three volumes of concrete for five bucks a piece. The list price was twelve ninety five. It's uh published by Dark Horse. They've collected them in in um they're about the size of the Queen and Country volumes, I think. They're a little smaller than a regular comic, but not by much. And uh Concrete not, is not the, nearly as good. Okay, <laughs> Concrete <laughs> is the story of Ron Lithgow. He's a pudgy political speechwriter, very introverted. Uh, recently divorced, as of the origin story, uh, not what anyone would call a thrill seeker or a risk taker. He's on a camping trip with a friend and happens to be abducted by aliens because he stumbles upon uh, a cave. And I won't reveal all the details because most of the uh, joy from Concrete is experiencing the story. It, Chadwick is 
very underrated as a writer. The guy is he 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 knows how to suck you in and and make you feel. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, and there's a three panel spread that introduces the light on the uh, on the mountain, and in three panels, Chadwick illustrates the power of comics. They're trying to tie their food up on a on a line so the bears won't eat it. And the first panel. There's a bag of food draped over this horizontal line. Okay, and a couple text balloons. And the next panel, they pull it up a little higher, maybe about midway through the panel, uh, more text balloons. And in the third panel, they, they pull it up towards the, the horizontal line taut, and you see a light in this faraway mountain. And that right there in three panels, he illustrates the power of comics. Not only do you have the progression of the bag going up and being pulled taut to the to the line you get the passage of time and he progresses the narrative in three freaking panels it, the the guy is is a master but anyway so they stumble upon this alien uh experimental facility nestled in this cave in the mountain and when he wakes up his brain has been transplanted into this body seemingly indestructible body it's a hulking rock-like body which we later come to know as concrete so chadwick kind of mirrors the guy's personality in that he was removed from the world in his uh temperament and his disposition where he didn't want to really take risks and get involved in things now he can't really feel the outside world because he he has no genitalia he can't experience that kind of sensation he, he he's his hands are huge he usually will crush or destroy anything he touches so he's he's again in in this incarnation he's pushed out into a a a, a solitary existence basically and the, that's where the sci-fi elements of the story end the the series is basically concrete trying to come to terms with his new body his world and he is humbled at every ex- uh nature has a way of stepping on concrete whenever it possibly can he he tries to because he has an indestructible body he he the first story he goes out into a uh 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 i think it was a senator or someone running for office had some connections with the original politician that ron wrote the speeches for and he manipulates him into getting concrete to make an appearance seemingly under his direction to get votes and he tries to rescue a group of miners trapped in a in a in a mine collapse and he does manage to rescue two but the rest of the miners which were separated from the one group were all crushed instantly when the when the mine collapsed so he 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 tried to do good but he couldn't and expected himself to go in there and you know save the day and get all the miners out but fate and uh nature had had other plans for him and and all those miners were killed he tried to swim the atlantic ocean because he can he doesn't tire in the concrete body that didn't go particularly well the the ship was capsized and his companions were were introduced to maureen uh vonnegut a, a research uh scientist that uh, he chose to do tests on him and and he's also has this the hots for her but obviously he can't do anything about it and uh his aide larry monroe the the ship is capsized and they're stranded in a raft for a period of time where they're dehydrated they're getting burned by the sun and concrete has to find a way out of it 
And uh, all that culminates in a really cool scene where they notice an oil tanker sailing by. So Concrete tries to swim to the oil tanker, and as he does it, he's covered with seaweed and moss, and he makes his way up into the ship, and the, the men on the ship have absolutely no idea what he is. They think he's a monster. They're, they're shooting at him and setting him on fire, and he's trying to communicate with them, but because he's so tired, he can't communicate, and he's grunting. It's, it's an excellent scene, but they realize, because what the government has done is they don't want the idea that he was abducted by aliens to get out what they the the cover story is that he's a cyborg they've uh, technology has him uh, improved to the point where it's now possible that's the cover story to implant a human brain into a cyborg body so the general population think that concrete is a cyborg and they've blitzed the media with images of him and toys and, you know, lunch boxes, any kind of uh, tie-in merchandise that they can get out there to make him seem less credible is what they're trying to do. He goes to talk shows and comes off as a buffoon when in reality he's a pretty smart guy. He's a writer. So he, he has all his ducks in, in a line, but he can't let on that he's that intelligent because then people, th- you know, put two and two together that maybe this is a real dude and not a cyborg, you know? Mm-hmm. But basically the entire series is slice-of-life little humanity stories, little little morality plays on concrete trying to find out who he is separate from, from, from everyone else in the world. And he has a, a collection of erotic art. He, he he buys erotic art, hangs it on the wall of his uh, where he lives, and I guess that's his release because he can't really do anything about it. He has you know no junk, so like uh, he, well no he doesn't, and right. um, it's like the thing. And every time he has an opportunity to check out a woman, he'll do it unbeknownst to those around him like he tries to try to do it on the sly and usually they'll catch him in the act so he's humbled again and it, it it's basically fate putting the screws to ron lithgow that's what concrete is about and it they are a joy to experience they really are um chadwick is an excellent artist but he's also very meticulous with his language mm-hmm. almost poetic to 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 a point where he writes these little passages where I mean if I could I should have tagged a few before we went into this uh, his language is is it it just it glistens it, it glitters because it's perfect and uh, it, it's an amazing series on a level with Kirby in terms of his inventiveness at character design the the one sequence where. Uh, Ron enters the alien chamber. There's machinery that's like this techno-organic machinery. Beautifully rendered, totally alien, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Where That's why I say he's on a level with Jack, where Jack had that knack too, where he can design these machinery and, and aliens that were totally unique to him. And if you've ever read The World Below, that was a miniseries that Chadwick did where these explorers tunnel... Uh, into this mysterious underworld universe that was littered with aliens that Chadwick designed that were just brilliantly realized. And a lot of that is in the pages of Concrete as well, too. It, it's one of those series, like I said, you just have to experience it. I, I, can't do just, I, you're right, I can't do justice to the stories because uh, without revealing the details of them. Well, I have but, a yeah. question, if I could. Yeah. Um, Concrete is one of those series not unlike 
uh, nexus that we've talked about where it, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. daunting. Very much. What, no, I mean, it's daunting for someone who, you know, 20 years later wants to read read it, but, you know, they were released in uh, chunks, you know, and, and, and it wasn't like there was a 50-issue run. It was released a series here, a, a mini there, a one-shot here. So well, not so much with Nexus, but yeah, Nexus. Okay, was well, I guess that's how I perceive it. it. I don't nice know if that's fair, uh, but yeah. but with Concrete, I'm just looking, and it just seems again there's there's the what you've just talked about is that are you speaking sort of of the entire progression of all the different runs over the years, or is that more are you speaking toward the the ten issues of the original series? Is that right? Well, this is Volume One, which collects okay collects issues one through five of the Dark Horse comic book Concrete. Mm-hmm. Stories from issue 1, 8, 10, and 150 of Dark Horse Prevent, Presents. Okay. Uh, Dark Horse Presents Annual 99, Dark Horse Comic Book, uh, Dark Horse Maverick Annual 2000, and the story Chadwick did for the Tomorrow's book Streetwise. Okay. So yeah, you're right. This is all over the place. But Dark Horse has published, I think it's eight volumes, seven or eight volumes of this to date, and it pretty much collects everything. So okay, if, you, if I was looking to buy the the issues here, um, no, just get these are very. I mean, check on cheap ass trades; you'll probably get them for like five bucks a piece. Okay, because I was going to say the issues aren't expensive. Um, no, but there are just and and I know it seems here that that like you said there he's been in Dark Horse Presents a few times, but it looks like there's a ten issue run that started it in Dark Horse in '87, then mm-hmm. a bunch of one shots over the next few years, and then a. Um, a two-issue series called Concrete Eclectica in 93. Right. A four-issue series, Fragile Creature in 91. Uh, There's a couple color specials, too. Uh-huh. They did a couple Earth Day color specials. Okay, a one-shot called Land and Sea in 89. Uh, mm-hmm. Killer Smile, four-issue series in 94. Strange Armor series in 97, a five-issue. Human right, Dilemma, that- a six-issue. Strange Armor is the retelling of the origin. He he did it in one issue, but I guess he wanted it fleshed out more, so that's what Fragile Armor is. Okay. And then Think Like a Mountain in 96. Mm-hmm. Great okay. stuff. They're all great, all of them. Okay. And th- there's one panel, there's one page that'll knock you on your ass. When he's swimming the Atlantic, Chadwick did a single page consisting of 150 panels. Depicting nothing more than concrete swimming, <laughs> and and you get you get the sense of the passage of time, but you also because he starts it off it, it starts off at night, so there's nothing more than concrete with a black background swimming, but as the progression makes its way down towards the bottom of the page, the backgrounds get lighter, so you can tell exactly how long concrete has been swimming a hell of a long time. And it tired out his body. And it, if he didn't have a flotation device, yeah. he would he would sink to the bottom of the ocean and have absolutely no way of getting back up. So, uh, and the flotation device he used, he broke it in half to catch water because his companions were dehydrating. So he was in a sticky situation, regardless of the fact that he's in an indestructible body. He's still human, and that and that and he could drown. And you know, run out of oxygen at the bottom of the of the ocean. So he he's indestructible in in one sense, but on the other, he's still a human being. That that's the the linchpin of concrete, alien but still human. And he's trying to find that humanity. It's a great series. And the great. art is awesome. I love I love Chadwick's art. 
Oh, again, underrated as hell. Chadwick draws the shit out of these, these pages. He's got a classic, beautiful, clean line. Amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Phelps. So there you go. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's my contribution. So, yeah, I'm pushing the aliens this week. Nice. I should, I should, we should lead out with the uh, X-Files theme, but I got other thing planned. All right. Which I, All I, right. I got I to gotta talk to you about the, uh, the X-Files movie. The second movie at some point, not this, not this episode, but some point down the line. Positively or negatively? Because um, I ain't talking I, negative about I it. I thought it was a really good X Files episode. Yeah, that was the general consensus. Could have yep. been done on TV. Could have been done on TV. Enjoyed it. Nah, not major motion picture, but for what it was trying to do, I thought it was good. I, I thought, yeah, yeah, did my favorite. Part of the movie was not even contained in the the running time of the film. It was the three or four minutes tacked on the end where you see Scully and Mulder. They didn't have that on the DVD, dude. Are you kidding me? No. The part looked, where they're in the rowboat? Looked for it. Wasn't it? Oh, that's ridiculous. No, yeah. no. Because it, it, it it's the the perfect capper to the whole struggle that they've gone through through the whole series yeah. and now the movies. Oh, that's I'll, ridiculous. I'll go look again, but yeah, I'm with you, and I, I love I love me some X Files, but yeah, it's uh, I th- that sucks. I, I I think we've seen the end of that series as far as uh you know yeah, I think Duke, so too. Duchovny and Julian Anderson, which was unfortunate, but I thought it was a great movie. But, a little bit of a a weird choice to to yeah. for them to try and relaunch the franchise. You think they would tap into the mythology, which no, the no. majority of the fans like? Yeah, it was it was a good it was a good episode of X Files. So you know maybe maybe all good things are you know left to their you know to their roots. Yeah. But uh, yeah, boy, this is a fun episode. This was yeah, we're all over the map. <laughs> Hello, 11 o'clock comics. It's Matt Blazefire33 checking in. Even though I'm supposed to be banned and never call in again. But I had to because I'm here on the behalf of the Church of Deadpool and Green Lantern. Yes, all you lovely listeners out there who aren't picking up Deadpool or Green Lantern should really do it. Why? Oh, it's simple. Deadpool Games of Death and Thunderbolts 130 came out this week. And Doug Mankey, artist of Final Crisis, best artist on Final Crisis, and Superman Beyond, will be drawing Green Lantern regularly. I mean, come on, what else do you need? you got Jeff Johns writing, Mike Benson does a good Deadpool, as obvious in this week's comic, and hey, if anything else, it's a good read, and some nice pencils. Besides that, my arch nemesis David I'll get you one day you evil evil hey so, so since since Chris already brought up the Marvel stuff the the other you know we talked about Michael Fleischer and, and writing the Spectre but you know another another claim to fame he has is a DC John character Hex. that's right baby and then the short lived Hex series following that yeah yeah yeah, Fleischer was uh, a very good writer. Uh, on uh, much like Steve Gerber, he had that quirky, yeah, left field sensibilities that that Gerber had too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great stuff. All right, we're done. We done. Woo-hoo. Really, I'm I'm sad. I could 
Why Don't go be for sad. Another hour. Let's Vince. do some reads. Vince, what are we reading? Read Sweet Tooth. Yeah, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Tooth Sweet. Oh, you got to read that. Sweet Tooth. Uh, all right. You know, I'll pick read something. The nobody. Read the nobody no. before you read Sweet Tooth. Right. But I'll pick something for reals. Okay. Read, read Groom Lake. And, and while you're at it, read Rawbone. By uh, Avatar. Uh, Avatar. Who's writing that? Jamie that, Delano. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nice. Now, and I tell you, the 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 Lake Grunwald. What 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 is it? Lake Groom. Lake Groom Lake. Groom Lake. Oh, you pathetic human beings! <laughs> I ordered it, dude. It's coming next week. I'm Last so I have not been to the comic shop this week, so I'm so gonna get that. It's yeah. look for the smoking alien on the cover. Nice. Lake. Groom. Groom Lake. Groom. groom. <laughs> <laughs> he did that on purpose. He did. Lake Beam. Nice. <laughs> Jim Lake. Oh, good God. David, what should they read? You know what I'm enjoying? And it's it's, it's over soon. Black Lightning Year One. Huh. I, I've I heard good things. things. About that. I didn't yeah. totally passed over it because of... Uh, the other year ones that have been coming out of late, but yeah, I think I I actually Who? missed out on something there. Who who's writing that? Mrs. Greg Rucka. That's right. With, Mrs. Uh, with, Greg with, Rucka. Yeah, Jen Van Meter and the Jen, Jen Van Meter. The uh, oh the really? Art. She that's Greg Rucka's wife. That's yeah. Greg Rucka's wife. Yes, it is. Dude, you allowed that? <laughs> <laughs> She's a very nice lady. I like her. <laughs> nice. She's a peach. This and and art. By Cully Hamner in a style that I've never really seen him do before. Oh, it's it's, it's smooth. It's fluid. Cornrows. It's it's awesome. Uh, cornrows on one gang member in the first issue. Okay. Um, not, Jerry Curls. No 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 cornrows or, or Jerry curls worn by Mister Jefferson Pierce. And there's a character who's an old family friend who looks very much like the late great Archie Goodwin. Oh, that's sweet. Very nice. Sure. So right. yeah, so read Black Lightning Year One. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I tell you what, um, and I'll I'll um, just kind of piggy tail onto that. Um, is it the JSA classified? Maybe Volume One. That and I would. I, all my trades are are a mess right now because I'm I'm reorganizing everything. But Jen wrote an absolutely fantastic story. Spotlighting icicle, wow. and this is and this has been maybe JSA classified volume one. Come back next week. I'll, I'll I'll find the issue. But but Jen Van Meter wrote an absolutely fantastic story with icicle as the central character. That mm-hmm. um, y- you want to talk about a throwaway villain that that you know it's uh, it, it's ridiculous how bad this villain is, but. But amazing how relevant she made him seem, and you, you tie in the JSA and all the JSA villains. But so it's it's one of the JSA classified stories. It may be wow. JSA JSA classified volume one. Really fantastic story. So uh, I'll set aside my Greg my my Greg uh, Ruckel love and and say, <laughs> okay, your wife, pretty good writer. You know, we'll we'll have a little Jen Van Meter love this week. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, I'm still kind of mad at David too. 
Huh. Just well, a little what's bit. What's that? The, him, David, he, he introduced me to that goddamn Puzzle Quest game. I don't know what that the, is. Uh, oh, it, it's, it's kind of like a combination of uh, Bejeweled, Bejeweled and, yeah, yeah. And, and Magic the Gathering. It, it's, <laughs> and it's driving me It's an RPG puzzle game. It's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. I'm playing the sci-fi you, you version. You don't. Oh, and which is available on the dual screen. My kids are kill, killing me now because they played the Puzzle Quest on my PSP, and yeah. now they want the that Galactrix thing. Um, you, you do not give an obsessive compulsive a game like that. It's like giving Jeffrey Dahmer a bag of hard boiled dicks. You know how the story is. <laughs> Bag of hard boiled dicks. Right. All right. <laughs> on that note, yes, rebels. Oh, oh yes, the oh, second God, issue was, was so, so goddamn awesome. good. We gotta, so we goddamn about good. That next week we'll talk about yeah, it. Next and yes, then, uh, and then if I may pre-order uh, Unwritten Number One, another Vertigo title that is debuting for a buck. So if you DCBS, it's a quarter. Mike Carey. Seriously, people, for a quarter, broaden your horizons. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And exactly. uh, and last, I guess, but uh, but certainly not least, and Vince, I can't believe it's been two weeks and you haven't mentioned this. Pre-order Herogasm. Yes. Because if you read well, the boys, give Herogasm a try. Drawn by John McRae of Hitman right. fame. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yes. Uh, actually, uh, one last thing we didn't mention. Since ooh, I, back it up. Since I just cut Vince off. Uh, you didn't cut me off. It, that's where, where it's it, off it. it arrived in the stores this week, and it's only two bucks. Black Coat and Athena Voltaire. Oh, right. Oh, yes. yes. Thank you so much for mentioning that. I totally You're forgot right. because I haven't gotten my shipment. But yes, that's right. Uh, St- Steve Bryant and Ben Licious's fantastic creator-owned properties together in a yeah. one big oversized book. Good. You should have pre-ordered it. Yes. But if you didn't pre-order it, go to your comic shop and ask for it and, and see if they can get it. Oh, according to Steve, they they overprinted by by a bit, so your shop should yeah. still be able to get it if they if, if they place the order. Steve Bryant, the first creator we had on Eleven O'clock Comics, hell of a guy, he's not <laughs> great, <laughs> oh, great artist, and he's he's family. Yeah. He is family, Vince. He don't. He doesn't like Paul Pope, though. So he's he's family that you sometimes kind of disagree with, but in the end, they're always family. You, you know, gotta I, hug them. You I, know? I love I love Paul Pope, but I like Nathan Fox better. Silly. I'm silly. not silly. You're drunk. Silly. You're drunk and you're, drunk and you're you. silly. You, I, you. I'll let you. Go hey, ahead. Vince, you forgot to <laughs> announce the winner of the the much anticipated, long awaited winner of the Matt Sturgis. House of Mystery Trade. When Woods. I would announce it. I would announce it if I knew who the frig it was. What? <laughs> you didn't tell me. Dude. You didn't tell me who dude. it was. I didn't tell what? you. No. <laughs> Why don't you tell sure me now? You didn't tell me, so. Oh, I didn't tell Yeah, you didn't tell him. You, you didn't tell anybody. There, there was no you, PM sent you, Save it for next week. Maybe. No, no, you, you can't save it for next week because we had to push it from last week. Maybe you they gotta should do it just now. go to the forum. Where's the forum at? That's true. Ted. The forum that preposition. is. That's right. Oh, because they did have snap. to in the forum. They did have to. Goddamn! <laughs> find my fucking English friend. Where you at? Oh, I don't Welcome know. Welcome to the three-hour special sentence in a preposition. Okay. Uh, the forum can be found at forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. Don't ask why. Just go there. We would love to have you. Well, go there and, and ask why. Uh, yeah, go over there and ask why. And why David don't said. you? Why don't you leave? Um, we were supposed I, to have an 11 o'clock comics.com, but the person who's working on that hasn't been doing it. 
Leave, huh? leave, leave us an iTunes review and talk about how we don't <laughs> fucking, you know, Marvel and DC comics. This is like therapy 101 for Chris. I am so I remember my blanket. <laughs> Realize when you are a fucking douchebag. Give me my dream. Oh, and, and sh- quick shout outs and love to Peter Rios, Steve Bryant, yes. Norton, and who else? Uh, huge, huge shout out for Mike Norton because he needs extra kind Well, I'm just talking week. about the, the, all those people have something in common today, and I give them kudos for that. Jason yeah. Aaron. And happy birthday to all our forum members who oh, celebrated a birthday God, this week. Bob Seems Pre-call like friggin' everyone had a birthday. What is it, uh, it was Mr. Lloyd. Clever username. Earlier this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Oh, thank you for bringing up Pat. Pat, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And you'll be hearing more about it probably next week. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, oh, and Pat, same same. I, I, got a, I got a little something, uh, Pat, that I owe you a thanks for as well. So thank you very much. And happy birthday, belated. And guys. You got something? I, I got did. something too. No, Pat. Uh, uh, Jason did. Mm-hmm. Pat, what are you doing? <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck is that all about? <laughs> what are you doing? <sighs> Mr. Luck sends me things all the time. Oh, you must be feeling sad. I'm, I'm 36 <laughs> now. I'm gonna go into overage now. Nah, you know I love you, and, and you deserve extra sure. love too because you you had a hard day, you and Chris. So uh, no, I think a digital hug. I'm actually hug. proud of the way I comported myself today. We 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 yeah. brought it. We brought it. Upon ourselves, we touched the, the red button. shiny button. Yeah. It was, you know, it, you know. Every once in a while, you have to look the comic book guy in the face, and you have to oh. say, "Fuck you." Pull well, out a stick of deodorant, to, rub it under the arms, and get real. You still got to be a little bit respectful. So you have to say, you look the comic book guy in the face, and you say, "No, thank you. Yeah. I will be uh, going elsewhere." No, nah, how about that? Uh, uh, there's still all the the fun out of it Vince I I know but I love you but these are still human beings human beings are fragile fallible creatures and you cannot hold on uh, Vince to that point I would hope that you were proud of the way I handled myself today then because I don't think I am proud of the way you handled yourself you have like I I said before you have grown buddy and and you realize that the, the the that thing that we revolve around in this universe is not you so I think that's what people have to do. And, and this goes back to the whole problem that um, our artist friend had on the Internet this week where someone wasn't appreciating his work. Pe- people have not learned to divest themselves from the experience of art. You, you cannot interject or inject yourself into that equation because art exists in its own little world. You're, you're an outsider. You'll never understand that art completely. So you can experience it on a certain level, but as soon as you put your personality into it, bang, it's yep. gone. You're, you're, you, you're ruined. You know, you know what's funny, Vince, is that Sal and I actually had a good 20-minute discussion about you this week. Wow. Me? Yes. Was it about sexy Italian men? Ugh. Yes, it was. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, no, I know we, it was. We actually we, we looked into... <laughs> Into the face of evil and and dissected what was Vince B this week. Wow. It, it, it was it was it was entertaining and enlightening and um, yeah we, we and a just, little bit perverted a little bit and um, yeah. I don't want to. It was yeah. it was inter- I was actually um, disappointed. I didn't have a recorder there because uh, because Sal 
decided that uh, after much, uh, much deliberation and research that he had figured you out. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, no, he's he's fooling himself. <laughs> All, Sal has to has to do one thing to figure me out, and that's look in the mirror. Because as much as he no, seriously, as much as Sal would would like to deny it, Sal and I are very much alike. Oh, ab absolutely, You're both beautiful people. Yeah, I don't have that antagonistic streak that Sal yeah, does. Exactly. You know, and, and goddammit, if I have a, you know, if I'm not stuck in the middle of both you bastards. Oh, there's there's a dream for you, huh? It's a cookie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Uh, I think we've really overstayed our welcome, people. Yeah, we're done. No, let's keep going. Do you, Jason? Do you want to announce the the winner? Let's just do it. Sure, let's do it, Jason. Yeah, do it. Winner of the autographed copy of the first volume of House of Mystery, written by Matthew Sturgis and signed by Matthew Sturgis, is... Roll, roll, roll your two 20-sided mm-hmm. die. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Earth 616, a.k.a. Adam Desanguti. Excellent. Ooh, Yay. Okay. And, and for all of you who have joined our forum for the sole purpose of getting in on this contest, do not worry. We will have another contest very soon, and you'll all be in on it. Yes. Oh, and, and we do have... An anniversary episode coming up, and we're we have something special planned for that too, which I guess yes, we'll yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll let's just do that and do that next week because right. I, I can only imagine the length of the thread <laughs> if we do it now. There we go. Okay. And and again, thank you all for participating in our forums. We've grown in the past month by leaps and bounds. There's a lot of participation. All. all of it is mostly civil. Unless Sal is on, then it's kind of sort of civil. Uh, so, <laughs> so thank you very much for coming. We appreciate it, and Ooh, thank and, you for giving back. And and also thanks very much for the iTunes reviews because uh, yeah. as Chris is, I still want to get to hundred. Do your iTunes review shtick because I don't have it memorized. But go ahead. God, okay. We 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 may only talk about Marvel and DC. Oh boy! Okay, well, it's not. But oh, it's, it's like he's playing the role of David Price this week. Oh the role God, of David Price God would be played by Chris Neesman. <laughs> no, we really no, do appreciate it. iTunes reviews. They do help us get exposure. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. They do. So we leave an iTunes music review, and it helps expose the show to other people. It's a great way to help us promote the show and uh, talk about comics. It somehow help us. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Somehow, some way, this week we were on the front page of the visual arts section of of iTunes, and that was pretty I badass to see. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, we've been there. F- we've been there for a while. Oh, have we? Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Y'all are gonna start Help. being competition from my other show. I'm gonna start debunking shit. Don't worry. You oh, I would. Lo- wouldn't it be awesome if it got to that point? Higher, don't worry. You know which one they pick. <clears throat> uh, so. Oh, but yes. Yeah, so uh, we don't have the funny though with like Tom. That's what we need. We need a funny. Tom is we need hilarious. to drop. He is. I think we're all funny in our moments, but Tom is naturally hilarious. You know, he you is. Know, you know, seriously, it's this is such a different beast, and I love it because I can come on here and be just um, stupid. And yep. I got Vince and and Wood and David to pick me up. It's great. I. I love this because I can sit back and and relax. I don't have to worry about you know shit. It's it's great. It's uh, all right. I love this show. It's awesome. Pick nice. I love you guys. Pick up those six back. Okay. Thank you, Jeff Lemire, for appearing on our little dog and pony show. And again, please you know, 
pick up the. I, I'm I'm surprised because he's Canadian. Do they have they have internet up there? I think they even have um, running water inside their homes. Get no out! Shit. And, yes, and plumbing. That's what I wanted. Indoor to Indoor plumbing. plumbing. Indoor plumbing. Jesus, it's late. <laughs> All right, I got to get this thing out. We're going. This is it. We're done. Thank you again, Jeff Lemire. Go buy the nobody. Go pre-order. Sweet tooth. Sweet, sweet tooth. tooth. I I was trying to think of what I said. Go pre-order Sweet Toot Toot Sweet and come oh, back Jesus here next Christ. week. It's good. I'm telling you. You don't underestimate it. It's good. And and come back next week and we'll all be happy again and talk about comics for two plus hours. Bye. 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 I'll, I'll I guess I'll...